podcast johnny bean podcast this is a podcast that's the truth did you know that i did know that i was aware of that <laughs> johnny that, bean. i mean that that's really what this whole thing is about is is podcasting because that really is the biggest thing in the world and it's just going to get it's just going to get more and more uh every everybody's gonna gonna want to you know gonna want it and every and you're gonna get millions of of uh, listens what do you call yes. it when somebody goes on the podcast and and listens to it is that a hit is that a view it's a, or is it's it a, called a listen uh technically it's a listen but it's considered a a, a view i guess nice i guess which although you can't see it yeah well that's the thing though is here on youtube and on facebook this is the visual version of the podcast that's really what these are you know like vis visually you're, you're looking at us you might think my background's blurry <laughs> it does look a little bit different that little different it's a new feature, brand new, brand new feature. Let me know in the comments over there or on replay down there. If you think it's cool, let me know. Actually, I should probably make a, uh, a what do you call it? Um, a poll. Maybe I'll do that. Is that a backpack on the couch or like did a chicken come in or something? <laughs> that's my a backpack. Black rooster. That's what that is. Yeah, that's that's my my backpack. I I have a uh, a laptop over here that 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 it's really old. It's like twelve years old, so it sucks. So it literally right. literally took half an hour for me to get it working today, so I could yeah. get into it and get into some of the stuff that I need. Time well spent. But yeah, that the the backpack that laptop lives in that backpack. So that's 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 what that is. Oh, I see. So. Yeah, I be well. Okay, basically. Oh, whoa! False flag already. Changing some color. False, false flag. There you are, man. Thank you so much. False flag. Where are we? There we go. False flag. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just got a shout out. Wow, you get, you just got the shout out on on Twitter. Okay. And uh, Sheila Bridges just just liked the the tweet, just like that. Thank you guys. Thank you. What was I saying? Uh, basically, okay. If anybody, if if we're friends on Facebook, okay. I I just passed five k friends, which is the limit. You can't have any more. Okay. So now you know what you got to do is got to go through and delete the people that you don't like. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more like the people that don't like me. I mean, I've okay. been, I've been uh, getting, getting rid of, but I have another Facebook account. So where, where those, where people can go, where people can go false flag thoughts on Toto. Uh, that was a nice dog. What, what was Toto. it called? Called a, uh, a terrier, right? Anyway, so what I'm doing is I have another Facebook account. And if anybody, if you want to add me on Facebook, add me to the other account, John E. Bean, B-E-A-N. John E. Bean. J-O-H-N, middle initial E, and then B-E-A-N. That's that's the Facebook account you want to add me on. Because the other one's full. I can't add any more people. I'm having to, I'm having to kick people out of there uh, so I can add other people that actually want in. You know, I've been having to do that a lot recently. 
but uh that's why the laptop is sitting there that's why the backpack is over there and thoughts on toto the dog is awesome uh, the ba- if it's talking about the band the band is awesome steve luthaker they call him luke but, what's his uh, name great yeah steve luth luke lukather <laughs> steve lukather <laughs> and uh yes great guitar player um, I have a cool story back when that first album came out that had hold the line. Mm-hmm. I went to my cousin's house. And so I was, um, oh, geez, I was 12 or something. I don't know how old I was, but my cousin had that record. And I was up there with my parents and I grabbed that record and I stuck it in the trunk or behind the seat or under the seat of our family car. I was a little kid and I swiped that record from my cousin and uh it it was it was it's a good record um i'm um as the years go by you start to appreciate it a little bit more but it was cool enough back in 1976 that i went ahead and swiped it from my cousin Mm because what's the worst thing that could happen you know you couldn't go to prison for that or anything your mom would yell at you or something. I'd have never gotten in trouble for that. But I did actually steal that little thing as a kid from uh, my cousin. And um, I, I like the piano playing in it. And then the um, Rosanna and, uh, yep. the, you know, Toto wouldn't be talked about nearly as much as they are currently if it wasn't for Weezer making huge hit songs out of those two songs, Africa right. and Ro- and Rosanna. Redoing those. And their, their yeah. versions are, are great. They I really mean, they're, are. They're, I mean, they sound, I mean, they're just incredible. And Steve has been in the studio with so many bands, um, probably over a hundred bands where he's been on, he's probably been on two, 300 albums um everything from um i'm sure it's on wikipedia yeah yeah i think he did some of the what was the uh, one guy named the uh guy from um oh shoot i'm gonna forget now what that guy's name is what's the song guy that sang up all night um and the guy the hello is it you waiting for who's that guy the black guy that was in um let's ask the chat i know who you're talking about he's on american idol ask the yeah the chat will tell you who that is always ask the chat hey mark e metal jr let me let me just uh before anybody's asking john mancuda he wasn't here last week he's not here this week because he's filming uh, a movie he's on location somewhere in hollywood filming the next huge hollywood blockbuster and he's super bitchy oh yeah everybody knows lionel richie so so he won't be here this week probably he'll be back next week but yes there you go (laughs) have you heard anything else about um the movie that he's in how's everything going with that they're just working 12 hour days and super busy probably more hours than that i mean i think he gets up at like four in the morning three in the morning and then really quickly we're gonna take a call all right 
Look at this. You can this text is... Johnny Bean at 415952. Pretty much, wow. pretty much. I mean, Luke Arthur wrote Beat It. I mean, although Eddie did the solo. I mean, it's a pretty pretty amazing track if you think about it. Yeah. It is. Yeah. They had a anyway, great bass player, great drummer. Have a good show. Take care. False Flag, thank you so much for all your continued support, man. <laughs> What's cool. the name of the drummer in Toto? Thank you, man. Uh, again, ask the chat. Always ask the chat. So, you, Dane, we could just sit here like this for the next couple mm-hmm. hours and just be like, "Huh, which is better, crunchy or or, or, or uh, what kind of peanut butter is better, crunchy or, or the other in, one?" And the um, chat will tell you. <laughs> there was a guy in Steely Dan that did the the Asia album, and they did what they call, "Hey man, I'm closed. I'm closed." I'm closed. There was a guy um, <laughs> in Steely Dan. Was that him? No, it's, 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 no, it's this neighborhood bum that walks by. I need to lock my door. I'm super lucky he didn't come in. Oh, so that was stealing Dan. Yeah, there was a... Um, but I think they called it the Bernie Shuffle. And it was a drumbeat <laughs> on the Steely Dan song. And you guys mm-hmm. in the chat will know who I'm talking about. But the drummer, Jeff, whatever his name was in total, pretty much had that same little shuffle beat. It was Jeff Percaro, Percaro, Percaro. I, th- I think the spell, I don't think that's the spelling, but. Hold on, let me but, lock uh, my door. Uh oh. Man, I don't know. Mesa was so dangerous. While he's doing that, let me say hello to executive producers here on Johnny Bean TV YouTube channel. By the way, it's November 30th, 2021. It's about 5, 8, 19 p.m. Eastern, 6, 19 where Dane is and 5, 19 where I am. Executive producers here on Johnny Bean TV are Dave Ennis, Vinyl Freak 5150, Mike Nice, Mike, I got some packages here. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for your, your donation earlier too, man. Music Therapy Laz, great seeing you yesterday. Majestic PB and J Cat, Wayno, False Flag, great talking to you on the phone a second ago. Andy Carson, Michael B. Arhabs, The Chad, Lenny Lou, and Mary, James Gum, John Moronic, Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, The Captain, Thomas Santiago, Joe Christian, Jimmy Ray Hawkins, and Steve Carmichael. That's the top tier of channel membership here on Johnny Bean TV, Johnny Bean TV YouTube channel. Like to become a channel member, click that join button right below the 24 thumbs ups currently. Thank you so much, you guys. And as you saw just moments ago, uh, any super chat changes the color of my lights. So if you look behind me, you got to put your glasses on. Put your (laughs) glass. That still won't help. Yeah, it's a new feature. It's a brand new feature here at StreamYard. It, it simulates a super expensive camera, which I do not have. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the colors, uh, 
are changing in the guitar more. Thank you again to uh, to False Flag. Uh, any super chats will will uh, will change those colors. We're live on Facebook where we have Facebook stars. That's kind of like a super chat over in the John Green TV Facebook page. We're live basically everywhere on Facebook. The Van Halen group, 63,000 members, EVH Gear Live group and page. Johnny Bean personal page where I'm kicking the weirdos off. Join my other Facebook page, John, J-O-H-N, middle initial E, last name B-E-A-N. There we go. And Dane. Dane, we have a special guest. Awesome. Here we go. All the way from down the street. Oh, crap. Hang on. You hear him every morning on the radio. Uh, wrong one again. Well, hey, it's Neander Paul. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I, I don't understand why you need a camera effect that uh, makes your camera look super expensive. You could just buy a camera that works. <laughs> I mean, I'm, that's the effect that they I have. Like I've been watching a lot of football lately. And so when guy, some guy scores a touchdown, they put a camera like that. They run up to him and, and that's the effect where it's mm -hmm. all blurry. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's... You 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 promote a thing about changing the color of the lights and the guitar more, yet you can't see the fucking guitar more. <laughs> oh, I I can see them. It's magic. It is magic. It's magic. <laughs> uh, I decided to jump in a little bit late. I apologize, but I have dog issues. Um, uh. For whatever reason, Ace is being a pain in the ass today, so I had to put him in the crate for a little while just to calm him down. Not as a punishment, because you don't you don't create a dog for punishment. Um, but I took him for a nice walk, and then now he's. I'm trying to be as quiet as possible because I usually leave the radio on when I'm at work or if the house is empty, and that's mm -hmm. a rare occasion. Um, your radio, that, yeah, with your voice. So yeah, so, when so that they know, so that they hear something comfortable. So now, if he hears me just talking in the other room, it's like he thinks the radio's on. Oh, that's awesome. Except I'm not playing the same 12 classic rock songs every morning. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I you know we, we joke about that, but the reality is I can play those same 12 classic rock songs every day for the next 30 years. And people will be like, hey, man, can you uh, play those same 12 classic rock songs you've been playing for the past 30 years? Here they are. Um, yeah. Stairway to Heaven. Not as much as you would think. Um, rock and Hotel roll. Hotel California. Uh, less than it used to be. Um, no, I heard the still. commercial today. I heard the commercial today. For what? You guys have a new commercial, and they listed them off. What a TV commercial? No, a radio spot. I was listening to KSLX today. There's oh, a new spot. Well, that's a change. That's a change. Thanks for the support. Uh, um, the other one was Sweet Child of Mine, and it said something about classic radio. The ones that you hear, believe it or not, more than you would think. Paul McCartney and Guns N' Roses versions of Live and Let Die. Those get played a lot um, by a lot of radio stations. Um, for whatever reason, they come back very big. Um, You're My Best Friend from uh, Queen, for right. whatever reason, comes comes on a lot. Like, you hear that song a lot. Um, recently, Alone from Heart, which is a strange one. Um, because today was, I, I heard don't think that was a major um, hit to begin with, but that's that's a that has come back 
uh, recently as sort of a song people really dig. It, actually, you know, it's probably it, 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 it's probably Nancy and Anne both requesting that song. It's possible, yeah, <laughs> because they're not together anymore and they're both alone. <laughs> Maybe that's very possible. Um, Today uh, I heard "Come Together," and here's what's cool about music. And I was thinking about this driving down the freeway because I had to take my girlfriend to a doctor's appointment today. So I actually had to close the store for like an hour and a half to do this. And I was really annoyed by it. But driving back, we heard um, Come Together by Aerosmith. Uh, and so that message. three and a half minutes lets you think about, ooh, killer, Aerosmith. Man, um, Joe Perry, I wonder how he's feeling. I'm, you know, he sounds great in this in this song. Oh, yeah, and I remember the album this was off. Boy, that was so cheesy. I wonder if John Lennon ever heard their version of this song. And it gives you three and a half minutes to think about those people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Not well, just the song, but the people that created the song. I'm sure Lennon heard it because he had to he had to he had to sign off on it. Yeah, they were they they certainly saw that terrible Sgt. Pepper movie, which is where that song comes from originally. It comes it's not together on, it's not on any it's not on any Aerosmith album. It's on their greatest hits record. And uh and their and I fell asleep during that movie. There's two different versions of it. There's the version that's on the cut the, the, the bad movie, the Sgt. Pepper movie, and then there's the version that ended up on the greatest hits. Um and a lot like um uh what do you call it? Mob rules the two versions are different. You know what I mean? Like the version of Mob Rules that's on the heavy metal soundtrack to me is better than the version that's on the, the album Mob Rules. It's heavier. It's more raw. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, um, there were, there were a lot of bands. It's funny because we've talked about this a lot of times about, you know, especially with this being allegedly about eighties metal, um, the <laughs> bands back there, back then in the seventies and eighties, uh, to a, to a lesser degree, as the, as the, as the decade went on, the, the dilution happened a little bit more, but demos from bands like kiss and Aerosmith, um, both of whom released demos for record store day last week. Um, Demos from bands like that and Van Halen and Led Zeppelin are way, way more um, complete and and almost the bar of of uh, of performance and quality is higher than demos that came later. Um, and it's almost like they realized, hey, we have to compete with bands like Fleetwood Mac and Boston and Sticks and the Eagles and these um, Genesis and Yes and these amazing bands. Um, and in order to be considered amongst those bands to be playing with those bands we'd better put out a product that's every bit as polished yeah. as that because those bands their demos ended up being their records a lot of them because yeah, they especially. would they would go they would go into the studio and and write while yeah. they're recording yeah like 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 boston uh tom Scholz from boston um the album the first album from boston which is a landmark record one of the greatest rock records in the history of recorded music and um from a production standpoint still holds up today. If you listen to the, the ride symbol at the beginning of foreplay a long time, it is crystal clear. And that was recorded back in 1974, 75 Tom right. Schultz did all of that by himself. Kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, uh, Trent Reznor does with nine inch nails and Steven Wilson does with porcupine tree. Um, all of what you hear 
on the first Boston album is pretty much demos that Tom Schultz did in his basement. When he got signed, yeah. Epic Records said, hey, we need to take this album, bring it into a studio and re-record it, remaster it and make it sound more the way we want it to sound. And Tom Schultz says, you can't do it. So it, it can't be done because the, the equipment that I recorded it on is so expansive and, and <laughs> expensive and we couldn't recreate that sound in your studios it would cost, it would be cost prohibitive and so he's like i invented all the equipment yes and and <laughs> and, you, and you guys don't have it you can't replicate what i've done on this the only people that were able to replicate boston sound the way boston did was kansas on carry on wayward son those guitars are absolutely uh mimicking boston's oh, right. first album you know what i mean mm -hmm. there's only there are only mm -hmm. a few albums that sound like that and kansas and boston were the two that had that that super guitar sound and then later on um phil collin from def leppard would use a lot of rockman equipment um and there goes dan going to get his the rockman he'll never sell um, <laughs> yeah but you don't use it it just sits there that's okay oh. how old is this thing that is easily almost 50 years old 40 something years old Okay, so you want me to plug it in every day and oh. mess around with it, or you want me yes, to keep it in a plastic baggie and take good care of it? No, that's the whole point of it is to play it. You know, it's not this a work thing of sounds art. Sounds like Def Leppard, the his whole Hysteria album. Yeah, the entire Hysteria album. I want to record my band using this thing, but I don't think the guitar player will go for it. Um, you know, it's it's surprising that sound that little Rockman still gets a huge huge sound super cool yeah and the the chorus the the chorus that tom schultz has dialed in for those boston albums cannot be replicated by anybody else i mean the, the, when you listen to that and again as much as we joke about it um you know speaking of repetitious uh songs that you hear on classic rock radio that first boston album is stunningly brilliant i mean just from from Sarah note one from Dane's the mm -hmm. old Junk. from the first first uh notes of more than a feeling all the way through to the end of of let me take you home tonight it is almost unassailable there's almost a, i mean with the exception of i think something about you is probably the weakest song on the record and even that's pretty brilliant something about you yeah, yeah. it's a good tune yeah and the guitar solos in Hitch a Ride are i mean phenomenal just crystal clear and remember all of that stuff was done on analog in his home studio yeah. mm -hmm. so when somebody tells you you can't make a demo that doesn't that sounds great you just point him to tom schultz or you point him to what the beatles were doing back in the day um with two four track tapes you know two four track recorders set up in series the story that i heard and you know we were just a bunch of stoner kids in ohio back in the day but i heard that tom made the album the record company came to him and said, oh, my God, this is perfect. And so Tom said, OK, we'll sign us to a record deal. We'll come in the studio and we'll re-record the album. And the Epic Records was like, no, 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 no. This is great just the way it is. No, that's the other way around. I heard. All record companies will do this. All record companies, no matter how good your record is recorded, will tell you that it has to be remixed, remastered. And that's how they recoup their advance money. Um, how they get there because people don't yeah. understand that when you get signed by a record company yeah. 
you're not rich. You're suddenly given a loan. That's the first thing that happens when you get when you. It's almost like going uh, graduating from college. The minute you graduate, you're in debt. Um, and as a as a band gets signed to a record company, they are immediately placed in debt because they get an advance to record their first record, which is a loan. Um, and in order to recoup that loan, they have to be able to charge you for that. So if they give you, let's say they give you a million dollars, which is not a lot of money in, in the in the world in the record industry anymore. Um, but they give you a million dollars, then they start saying, okay, it's going to cost $300,000 to re remaster the record or remix the record or re-record the record. And then you got the management costs, the insurance costs for backline, all the equipment, the tour boss, the van. Next thing you know, you find yourself $4 million in debt. And that's sort of how it works. It's like credit card companies. You borrow a little, a little against your future and you end up screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's why, uh, all, all they want they want hits every song yeah. has to be has to be heard on the radio uh and yeah most bands they, they release at least a number of records before anybody ever hears who well, they not anymore That's well yeah back back in the day yeah back then you know remember kiss didn't pop until until their fourth record really fifth record um because they put out three studio albums that did nothing mm -hmm. um and then alive which was a fake live album um mm -hmm. and then after after kiss alive you got destroyer and all of a sudden destroyer becomes this massive hit and nowadays you, you don't get four or five records to do that did you hear the the i put it in our in our in our facebook chat the the new stephen rosen the 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 1984 interview he did with yeah. gene simmons did you mm -hmm. listen to any of that no i just heard about it i know you posted it i just haven't had a chance to listen oh, to it, it was yet. great it was great but yeah gene was saying that uh was it dynasty he said it was it was like it was a horrible he, he said the record was like horrible it it was the, fairly the record bad. Or, or the sales or the sales of, of the of their records were, were terrible is what he was saying well Something no like alive uh alive wasn't really live it really wasn't most of the record was overdubbed and that the, the crowd was dubbed in to make it seem this more is more live right now you guys are watching then I think yes. the song Black Diamond was the one where they really went and redid the vocal parts. Because when well, you're yeah, up there playing drums and trying not... to sing at the same time, that's that's a tough gig. And so And Peter Chris was not known as a that. phenomenal live singer. Yeah. You know, which is a shame because he's got a great voice. You know, he has a very Rod Stewart, um, right. you know, punky young Brian Adams. You know, that scratchy, gruff voice that Rasky. really would have worked well for more. He should have sang on more Kiss songs. Um, but but the one big hit that they had is his. Know, Beth, with him singing, man, it, that was they cashed out on that. Yeah. So they knew that. Or um, and they didn't even and they didn't even write it. Who is the producer? Oh, Bob Ezrin. Uh, Bob Ezrin Bob was the producer, but the guy named Stan Penridge wrote the song. Right, but Bob Ezrin knew what he could do with with Peter's voice. Well, Bob Ezrin is still doing amazing things with Deep Purple. Deep Purple just put out a covers album called "Turning to Crime" last week, um, and it's pretty friggin' good. You know, I, 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 it took me a long time mm. to accept Steve Morse in Deep Purple. Um, he's been in the band mm. significantly longer than Richie Blackmore was, um, but you know, the stuff that we love from Deep Purple is the Blackmore stuff. Um, but when you go and you listen to the last two or three Deep Purple records with with Bob Ezrin producing it, um, you know, Steve Morris and Don Airy have locked into that band uh, in a way that 
you know, a very similar way that John Lord and Richie Blackmore did. Don Airy does it, pays tribute while still being the keyboard player in Deep Purple. He still has that sound that John Lord brought. Now, he's no John Lord. John Lord may be the great rock, greatest rock keyboard player of all time. I but, agree. But but Don, Don Airy is no slouch. And to get a guy like Don Airy into um, into Deep Purple, I mean, he's the Don right guy for the job. Don who did the uh, Aussie stuff, right? The first two yeah. Aussie. Yeah. Um, the Mr. Crowley in intro. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on board with John Lord. I mean, John Lord and Ian Pace for me, that rhythm section makes Deep Purple. The guitar players, I mean, they've had a variety of great guitar players between Blackmore and and Tommy Bolin and Joe Satriani for one tour, um, and Steve Morse. Those are all great guitar players. But to me, the groove of Deep Purple has always been Roger Glover, John Lord, and Ian Pace. You know, right. that rhythm section really makes it work. And then whatever guitar work you want to put mm -hmm. over the top. And Ian Gillen on vocals. It's got to be Ian Gillen. And, and then when they showed up at the California Jam in like 1973 with uh, um, Dude from Whitesnake on lead vocals. Yeah, it was Coverdale. Uh, the and audience was like, Who, who's this band? I thought we were here to see Deep Purple. It was a different, you know, it's a lot like, it's an interesting <laughs> parallel. I think a lot like the Van Halen parallel, which is, they were, it was a great band, but it was a different band. Yeah, they showed up with David Coverdale on vocals. Coverdale Pretty was much a young guy back then. Well, he was a young guy at that point. He was, that was his first real exposure. Yeah. He had had a solo record before that that did not do well. Um, and then, and then, you know, that, that was a, a very strange, unique version of Deep Purple that didn't last very long, but it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing it sounds like, good. There's nothing like that. I mean, for me, when Purple reunited in 83, 84 and went down through 89, that to me was a sweet spot. But again, I'm not 60 years old. I didn't live during the time when I wasn't really musically aware during the time when when the original Deep Purple stuff came out. I had to go back and rediscover it after I discovered them in 84. Mm -hmm. And now you have all their albums. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Including the covers record, which I said I wouldn't buy. And yet there I was on Friday buying it. <laughs> and it's funny because normally I get, you know, given what I do for a living, I can get records like that for free, you know, because I work at a classic rock radio station. I should be able, no, I should be able to get that stuff for free. I had um, to steal the Toto album from my cousin. Uh, Mike Neese, Ron Keel claims Ron Keel was actually in Black Sabbath. For about six days, allegedly. Um, that's Kill longer than, that's longer than Mitch. Wait, it's, <laughs> longer, it's longer than Mitch Malloy was in Van Halen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He should go out as these uh, Black Sabbath experience. <laughs> He's actually done that. Ron Keel has has re-recorded a couple of Sabbath songs just for the fun of it. Um, but yeah, Keel oh, was Ron in... Keel has a satellite radio, or maybe it's Siri Sirius no, satellite. No, it's online. It's online. Oh, it's an online radio station. Yeah. Right. It's like he this. Played our, he played one of our songs one day. Yep. Ron's a good dude. Wow. He's, he, he lived here for a while. Yeah. He's from Nashville originally. Um, he lived in your house? No. Not here. Not here. <laughs> they were roommates. <laughs> um, I happen to like I happen to like Keel a lot. Dwayne, their drummer, still lives here in Arizona. He lives actually here in the valley in Phoenix. Um, but they're, you know, nice. another, there's a great example of a band that, that 
had a, a very brief moment, another Gene Simmons discovery. Allegedly. It wasn't really a Gene Simmons discovery. Mike Vardy discovered them um, when Ron was in with Ingve Malmsteen and Steeler. And then um, Gene got a hold of them after the Lay Down the Law record and produced the Right to Rock and Final Frontier records. And it was, that was that period of time where Gene thought he was going to be a big music mogul and he went and grabbed Black and Blue and Keel. And that's where he mm -hmm. found Tommy Thayer in early 1984. Hmm. So, so he he uh, yeah. produces these bands and gets them poaches he members. He he doesn't want them bigger than Kiss though, you know. Kiss is well, still like the main. Well, nobody is bigger than Kiss. Main thing, uh, but if any if, if there's anybody in those bands that he likes, he tries to get them to join Kiss. Just put the makeup on them and maybe. I mean, that, look, that's I what remember, Blackmore did. Um, that's how I Blackmore did. Black and stole a band called Elf. Hmm. I remember when Black and Blue had first come out. I actually went to a Kmart for some strange reason to go look for the hold on to 18 on a 45. I was going to go buy the Black and Blue 45. Uh, what year was that? 84? 85? Hold on to 18 would have been 84, 85. Yeah. And nasty, so nasty, for nasty, some nasty, reason, there was a Kmart over here, which is long gone now. But I walked through there. I looked through all them. They didn't have it. I'm like, man, they need to get it together. I want that record. I was going to buy the Black 45. And, Black and Blue was a decent band. Um, yeah. You know, another example of um, too many. There was a period of time during 1984 through 1988, 89, where there were just too many bands on Geffen Records and they couldn't promote them all. So, um, they you rely on like radio to play the song, and if you get a hundred people calling, wow, play that black and blue song. I saw him live too. There's John, he's currently filming the next uh summer blockbuster. That's where he is. He'll be back next week, probably. Kai, I don't believe Ingve Malmstein ever auditioned to play for Kiss, he may have submitted a tape. Um, but I don't know that that ever happened. That might be one of those urban legends that came up. There's a video about, um, um, JJ from Twisted Sister auditioning for Kiss. It's possible he's hey. the right age. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a YouTube channel. I believe it's called in full bloom. And it's just a guy that has old interviews from all these old dudes we know. Mm hmm. Do you think do you think uh, when when Kiss is auditioning people, they uh, they have them dress up too, <laughs> no. like in makeup and stuff? No. Um, it's interesting how many different guitar players. You know, the guy that really got screwed was was Mark St. John, um, because he had something called writer's syndrome, which caused his hands to swell up. Um, he was probably. And he was he was nothing more than just a shredder. He couldn't really wasn't really a great songwriter. He was just a shredder guitar player. And Kiss grabbed him during that period of time when they were uh, trying to jump on the shred trendy bandwagon. They didn't have a guitar player that played like that. Vinnie Vincent could play like that, but he was such an asshole uh, and wanted to be properly compensated for his work. So he had left and formed the Vinnie Vincent invasion. They brought um, Mark St. John into the band, um, and he was not very good as a songwriter, but he could play, he played a million miles an hour, but just didn't have any tone or any feel to his playing at all. Hmm. Well, then he'd be perfect in Kiss. 
Yeah. He he died long after the fact. He died long after being out of Kiss. Um, But he could play. Mark St. John could play. He was in a band called White Tiger because why not white something? Mm -hmm. Um, When when was he in Kiss? What what years? Or what year? Or what? 85, 86. Animalize. So actually 84, 85. He's on the Animalize record. Okay, yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't and even aware. A, and he's actually on a um, he's on one of the videos. Kiss put out a video, um, Animalize Live, I think it was called, or Live Animalize, or Live Colon Animalize, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. And and Mark St. John is the guitar player. Yeah, late eighty four, eighty five. That was when 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 Animalize was a thing. Oh Jesus, Kurt, fifty-one fifty. We could go White Tiger, White Lion, Great White, White Snake, White Wolf, White Wizard, uh, White Zombie. White, yeah. I mean, there's, so, I mean, there's so many white bands. Jack White, you know, <laughs> who outsold uh, all of them. <laughs> wow, Jack White hasn't outsold White Snake. White Snake has sold <laughs> a lot of records on that eighty-seven record. Yeah, I was just Mark- thinking today. Mark Jeff Mark's not on the uh, the commercial video, but he was on an MTV show that was part of that tour. I, I was just thinking today. I mean, I know uh, uh, the Beatles has nothing to do with the '80s metal, but you know, with the big thing going on right now with the Get Back uh, documentary, I'm wondering like how how like many sales, like how many songs do, do the Beatles or say any of these bands sell like like every day. But now it'd be like streams, like, well, like, be- like iTunes or the Beatles are a different animal one altogether. You can't mix, you can't measure anything against the Beatles. They are a world phenomenon. There's the, Be- you know, the Beatles. Yeah. And everything else. And then everything else there is in every genre. Jay Hannon, you have to realize that. We're still trying to convince him that the Beatles was like the greatest thing there ever was. That won't come. That won't come until he gets older. It'll come. It'll come to him later when he gets older. <laughs> it just will. There. I was they're... listening. I was listening to them last night because I have. I have the. Uh, I think it's called One or Ones. Ones. The red. Yeah, the one. red background with the, with the one, yellow. Yeah. Number one hits. I was yeah. listening to that last night, and I'm like, well, every song, it's like two, three minutes, not even three minutes. Yep. And it's like every. Everything about every one of those recordings is just, it's perfect. The Beatles did it all first. All of it. They were the first boy band. They were the first prog rock band. They They were the the longest metal band. (laughs) They were the first metal band. I mean, you know, Revolution and Helter Skelter are metal songs. Those are friggin' metal songs. Um, You know, they did did avant-garde, prog rock, big opuses. uh, By the way, rock. By the way, Sergeant Pepper, the song is hip hop. It was twenty years ago today. Sergeant Pepper taught yeah. the band to play. That's hip hop. Yeah. Um, they did it all first, and they did it all better. Now, I, I, let me take that back. They didn't do it all first. I mean, obviously, you have Big Bill Brunzi and and Rocket eighty eight and and all you know Bill Haley and the some of these other they, guys that they were inspired. Yeah, by. Memphis Mini and all the blues people that they were inspired by. But the Beatles took all of that stuff and created this thing that still 51 years later, because remember, they broke up in 1970, 51 years later is still the measuring stick 
almost three generations later, nobody has come close to what they've already done. They are what everything is measured against. Everything you hear about is best since the Beatles. Be, you know, blah, blah, the Beatles. The Beatles are, and now this thing, what's the biggest thing going on in streaming television right now? The Get Back documentary with the Beatles. They're just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which I, I I did watch the first one. I, I watched it, uh, was it Sunday? Sunday I watched it. And I'm going to catch up on the other ones before my Disney Plus runs out because I only have it for you know a little bit, but uh but no i was listening to, to those those songs last night as i was driving home and i i was just sitting at a stoplight and i'm thinking man like how many songs you know did they sell like every like, i was thinking about paul mccartney and just how that this documentary it really shows like he really was like the the man you know what he, he was they had still that the opportunity but what's they the, had i that never opportunity to go in the studio with a great engineer at 10 o'clock in the morning with instruments tuned up, lunch was prepared for them, all that. You come in with an idea, you hang out. The three of us could go into Abbey Road Studios at 10 a.m. And by six o'clock that night, we could have song ideas recorded. Would they be anywhere close to the Beatles? No, but they would be no. something. <laughs> we, we, we could do it. The three no, of there's... us could write some kick-ass shit. Paul's great on lyrics. Johnny's great on guitar. We have a Paul. I could do a little bass part in there. <laughs> I could be Paul. I could be very nice. Um, and if we had the opportunity, like they did, to be in the studio, but, but when that... they finished recording the Let It Be album, three weeks later, they were back in the same studio starting on um, Abbey Road. No, and it's, when you it's... Get that kind of a groove in the studio, it, it's, it's, you, you've got, Tons of opportunity to come up with good, great shit. It was. I, I'm sorry, but after watching just part one of Get Back, I'm convinced that Paul was the was the machine behind all of it. Well, I mean, there's there's that, which I, I never knew. I've made you know? this, this comment before. John Lennon's solo stuff is is woefully overrated. Yeah, some of it's good, but most of it is shit. You can't create yeah. chemistry. Those four guys had something that that can't be created, you know, sort of like Led Zeppelin and the original Van Halen or whatever band you want to put together. All the Chemistry can't be created. Whatever it is, um, they had the indeterminable, under, uh, unidentifiable it. And I wouldn't call myself a Beatles fan at all. I own all of their music because it's almost like, as a musician, it's required listening. You have to. Yeah. You have Hear to that, Jay? go and listen to it <laughs> and go, this is, this is clearly magical there's something that like like ticket to ride magical mystery <laughs> ticket to ride no don't make no make no mistake about it they had their share of shit too i mean all of side two of yellow submarine is garbage um what's on side two of yellow submarine i don't think it's paul wrote that part shit. it's all movie shit it's all like you know okay no lyrics and just self-indulgent yeah. shit and you know part of the white album is not good you know, some of the, some of the white album is is very much like like Usual Illusion one and two. It got a little bloated and self indulgent. And by the way, every right. band does that. You get to a certain degree and a certain level of 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 genius and brilliance. The Who did it. The Police did it. Everybody does it. They have this moment of 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 self awareness where they go, "I can do everything." And you go, "No, you really can't." Um, but when you look at their catalog, Tom Schultz, like, you have to. No, Tom <laughs> Schultz's first two records were great. The rest of the Boston catalog is garbage. The first two mm. records are fantastic. Uh, the third one, he third probably stage, thought he was Paul McCartney. He what, thought. What's the know, third Boston album? 
What's the name so, of that third Boston album? Third stage. Okay. What was the what was the sort of the Amanda Amanda was the biggest that? song on it. What was it? Am- Amanda was the biggest hit off that. And oh, then another that song was called, awesome. And then another song called Cool the Engines. Those were the two real big. Oh, and then that Amanda, song is awesome. And then A Man I'll Never Be. Yeah, there are nine songs on the record, and three of them are awesome. That's my point. And if you're in baseball and you could hit three out of ten, you're you're an all-star. It's not bad. Yeah. Three for ten, man. That's three hundred and thirty-three percent. The, the the Beatles weren't perfect. No band is perfect, but the Beatles are the closest thing to a perfect band that there could be. They, I mean, you know, look, not everything is great. Um, not every not every swing is a home run. Um, mm-hmm. but I would take I would say that you look at the, the Beatles catalog and there are, you know, not many bands can put out a compilation record called number ones and have twenty-two or twenty-three songs on it that went number one. Every freaking song on that on that. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. is, is they are they are again the measuring stick. You don't have to like the band, um, but you do have to respect the band. It's like you have to learn the language before you can actually speak it fluently, and and mm-hmm. that is the base language yeah. for everything that came afterwards. Every do you guys band... know what Beatles yeah. had the uh, first hit song after the Beatles broke up? Ask the chat. Ask the chat. Oh, repeat repeat that again. That was kind of weird. What's the question? Which Beatle had the first hit song after the Beatles broke up? Hmm. I saw this on a video last night, so I'm pretty sure I'm correct. <laughs> That's right. Jeff got it. David he, said he, whip, he whips, he whips, his, my he whips his dick out. He whips his dick out really early. <laughs> yeah. What song was it? My Sweet Lord was the <clears throat> which first Beatles hit. Which, by the way, which, by the way, was plagiarism. For all the people that want to rip on ah. uh, Led Zeppelin for ripping off all of all of those blues songs and Van Halen and all these other guys, George Harrison stole My Sweet Lord from the Chiffons, a song called He's So Fine. He was sued for it, and he lost. Uh, yeah, I'm not going with that. It doesn't matter whether you go for it. It's a fact. I I heard stories of him throwing parties, strumming guitars, Mick Jagger's hanging out. They've got their wives. They're having parties, and he's strumming that and coming up with words where these you people do, at the party are like, oh, okay, what about – and helping him. And, and people witness that song growing. Uh-huh. And you don't know the song, He's So Fine? From the chiffons. Sure. So funny, yeah. When when did when did when did George Harrison do My Sweet Lord? It would be after 1970, right? 1970 or 71. Yeah, it's a shame that He's So Fine came out in 1963. He's there's so a fine. little resemblance in the there's, of there's the no melody. little resemblance. It's the, the same song. <sighs> it's the same song. He was he was sued and lost. Probably because he didn't have a good lawyer that knew how to explain that <laughs> no, to the judge no, what was George actually Harrison happening with this song. If he would explain <laughs> what chords he was playing compared to the chiffons, what chord progression they were playing, they, they weren't it wasn't that close. Okay. There's similarities. I don't think it was that close. Well, you, you, 
you you tell that to George Harrison's bank account. <clears throat> he was sued for copyright by the publisher. Sean Mahoney, you're incorrect. Bullshit. Sean, you're says. incorrect. Lennon's solo content did not outdid, outdo Paul's. Jesus, if Paul McCartney weren't in the Beatles, he still would have been a massive success with Wings. No. Um, Wings was a George phenomenal band. First, George had the first hit. McCartney had the second. Um, and then Imagine came out by John. And then and then Paul had another hit song. And then Ringo came out with um, She's 17 or something. So Ringo, Ringo was about the fifth in line to have a hit. But Didn't they all Winger had cover hit. that? Didn't what? Who do it? Huh? Yeah, it was a cover. <laughs> then yeah, Winger Ringo came out. It was out. a cover. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think it's so cool watching that documentary and watching Paul just sit there and work through, you know, these songs and the ideas and watching Ringo and George just so bored watching him, you know? Yeah, but well, Ringo it's... was paying attention. Ringo was sitting there listening to it and he's yeah. looking like this. But then he'd be like, OK, and, yeah. and he was concentrating. He wasn't goofing around. They would goof around a lot. Yeah, it's just so cool to see that stuff and just uh, it was to hear what what happens. And who was I saying? I I asked somebody this. I guess it was yesterday. Just imagine, you know, take your favorite band, whoever it is for me, you know, Van Halen, the Police, whatever, and imagine that type of footage or documentary with your favorite band. What that would be like. I uh, yeah, I mean, it's and the thing is, this is this is this documentary that everybody's going nuts over is a rehash of the let it be movie this is all the b-roll this is the stuff that didn't even make it to the original movie and it's still mm -hmm. amazing like their throwaways are still more entertaining than most bands greatest work it's mm -hmm. so silly quentin sent me a pick quentin thank you quentin he sent me two of them <laughs> I got a whole bunch of Swiss picks today. So all you no way. local Phoenix guys, I've got some. Let me show you guys. Swiss picks? Swisspicks.com. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of them today. Different flavors, different uh, big ones, small ones. What I like about them is they're all at least... A millimeter or thicker. There's no like those super thin ones. So yeah, I got a lot of Swiss picks in stock. Awesome. Pete's a nice guy. Oh, by the way, just to um, respond to a couple of points in the Sean Mahoney, you can disagree about paul mccartney's solo material versus versus john lennon's solo material but you're wrong because paul mccartney because paul because the statistics pointed out paul mccartney has had several number one albums and has sold tens of millions of records as a solo artist john lennon yeah. didn't john lennon didn't i mean he, he his his output was significantly less lennon took paul, the 70s and pretty much went on vacation but paul mccartney i mean band on the run Band on the Run, the record, is better than anything John Lennon ever released. That's a fact. It's Yeah, it's sorry about my chair. It's outsold 
and people it's a it's a it's a must own record um you might like it you might not like it as much as john lennon and so there are people who will say that but paul mccartney's solo career is unassailable um and even to the yeah. point where he walked into foo fighters or actually nirvana uh years ago when dave grohl was doing that sound city demo um ah. made a couple of adjustments to a song and they won a grammy because he just went in and oh, i've got an idea and they, and 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 Dave Grohl's like, do you want to play on the song? Which is a ballsy thing to do. Can you imagine your Dave Grohl? Dave Grohl has balls the size of a, of an RV. I mean, he looks at he talks to Paul McCartney like he's not in the presence of Paul McCartney. Um, and then Paul McCartney inducts him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How great is that? I don't know if you haven't seen the induction speech that Paul McCartney gives to bring Foo Fighters into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, it's fairly brilliant. I mean, he he equates mm -hmm. Dave Grohl being in the biggest band of his generation and then having to relaunch his solo career with Paul McCartney being in the biggest band of his generation and having to relaunch his solo career. He basically says Dave Grohl is a modern day version of me. Can you imagine getting that kind of an endorsement? Paul McCartney I believe calling it. you the greatest modern rock star out there? I, I mean, I, rock drummer. I, I believe that. I mean, like it or not, I mean, Nirvana really is... You know, that generation's Beatles, that, you know, Cobain is that generation's Lennon. Really, really, it's true. There's a certain argument, you know, there's yeah. an argument to be made. I would disagree with the argument. But again, just like I say with the Beatles, Nirvana was a tipping point in pop culture. They're the last major tipping point in pop culture when it comes to music. They're the last band that changed the world with their with their music. Last rock band that did that. Yeah, if you're um, stuck on a deserted island and you have um, the Nirvana catalog or you have the John Lennon solo catalog, <laughs> what you going well, to enjoy the most and not want to kill yourself after three months? Oh, God. Yeah, I electricity. I mean, there's a there's a um, Dave Grohl is clearly the most talented guy in Nirvana. Um, and he's the Paul McCartney of Nirvana. Is, he is has quietly, he, not so quietly. You realize Foo Fighters have like nine albums out. They release an album like every twenty four months or some shit like that. They're they've been around for thirty years now. It's so hard mm -hmm. to think of that because people think of Foo Fighters as being a new band. They're not. They've been around no. almost. Mm -hmm. They were, and remember the Beatles were around for fucking seven years. Think about that. Their entire existence was seven years. It's so weird. Wow. So weird. Mm hmm Still squeaks. Didn't work, man. Nope, didn't work. I'll try to just sit still. Yeah, you know, and, and there are people who will try to defend the they'll try to defend the Nirvana thing. Um, look, the first two Nirvana records didn't do well. Um, Smells Like Teen Spirit was a turning point in music. Again, Geffen Records, they had a great marketing company. They they came at the right time. It was a combination of decent songwriting um and and a good album. And then and then In Utero was a was a disappointing follow-up. People forget that In Utero was a disappointing follow-up and that Nirvana were on the verge of breaking up when Cobain took his own life. Mhm. Mm I remember all the news on on MTV and I liked In, in Utero. I thought I thought it was a better I think all apologies is their best song. I think it's a phenomenal song. And I think there are certain things that they did. The, the Nirvana unplugged to me is better than anything they put on record. 
watching that show and watching them, that was mm -hmm. to me a moment that reminds me of what it must have been like to watch the rooftop concert. What it must have been like. I can get why people that love that music find that so good. Um, I personally am a bigger fan of Soundgarden and Nirvana from that era. I mean, it's Soundgarden and Alice in Chains from that era. Um, <laughs> um I've Soundgarden but again those bands were more rock than they were alternative Nirvana was the most alternative of the four big bands that came out of Seattle at that point um you know uh, uh Soundgarden was was really a hard rock slash metal band uh Alice in Chains was a hair band that immediately realized oh shit this is over quick get the hairspray out and redefine themselves yeah um, yeah yeah. Uh, Pearl Pearl Jam is, you know, very much like the Who. Um the Who and the Grateful Dead sort of get together and and do a thing. Um but Nirvana was the one that was the most quote unquote alternative coming from the world of the Pixies and some other stuff. Uh or you can trace them back to almost Neil Young. Um but that's the fun part about those all those bands when you get all the way back to it, Soundgarden did a cover of Come Together. You know what I mean? It, it all goes back to the Beatles. Um, mm -hmm. they, they certainly are the big bang of, of modern day rock music. Um, and if it weren't them, it would have been somebody else. It sucks because I like the stones stylistically more than the Beatles. You know, I, I like, I like honky tonk woman. I like, you know, uh, brown sugar. I like tumbling the and it's only and tumbling dice. Yes. Tumbling dice like, yeah, wow. no, the, the grooves of the stones. I prefer the Stones were significantly more limited than the Beatles. They didn't do, they didn't take the chances that the, that the Beatles took. The Stones found their thing and do their thing outstanding. And then the Stones begets Aerosmith, which begets Guns N' Roses, which begets mm -hmm. the Black Crows, which begets, you know, all of these other, which which eventually gets us to Dirty Honey and Greta Van Fleet and, and those bands. It all goes back to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. I mean, shit. The, the, when you think about what it, we we I'm spoiled because I was born in 68 and Dane too we saw every great musical moment happen during our lifetime well with the, we the, with the exception of the birth of rock and roll did we miss out on Elvis Elvis was done long before we were Elvis Elvis was a blip. He was a moment. He, he still had hits in the '60s. Uh, Superstition Mind. He still had a couple of Suspicious hits, Minds. But... Was it was a fun? But that was when he, you know, he was going through his gospel fear period. Remember Elvis 69. after that's that '68 comeback special when he's in the black leather, oh, yeah. you know, jumper and all that stuff. But then yeah. he went to Vegas. By the time we were aware of what music was, Elvis was wearing white sequin jumpsuits on the on the strip in Vegas when Vegas right. was a bad yeah. word. Back then, Vegas was playing Vegas was where your career went to die, unless you were Frank Sinatra. You know, now Vegas is like shit. Yeah, I got a fucking casino gig in Vegas. Yeah, sweet. Don't have to get on the bus. You know, um, <laughs> all of those, all of those. You know, we saw every great musical event. I mean, obviously Woodstock happened right after we were born. We don't get it, but you know, hard rock, acid rock, prog rock. Hair bands, metal, thrash metal, speed metal, yeah. power what metal. What about the Sinatra of the 1940s? What big band music? Sinatra of the 1940s. That was that was pretty pretty freaking epic. 
Yeah, yeah, but it was, but it's, but it was one style of music. They were all doing it. Frank Sinatra was just the best of it. Yeah, and that Frank, was that was the Beatles before the Beatles. That was a different style of music. It was interesting. Lemmy once said, and it was, it was, it really put it in perspective. Lemmy said, "I remember a time before rock and roll," and I, I can't comprehend. My father remembers that time. Mm-hmm. My mom. My mom was born in 1948. They're both gone now, so I can talk about them. Um, my mom was born in 1948, so she was 19 when I was born. So her record collection was fucking awesome. My father was born in 1927. Do the math. My father was in his 40s when I was born. He was 20-something years older than my mom. Douche. Um, <laughs> and he had to live through World War II. Yes, he fought. Um, we fought in World War II. Yeah, the uh, the record collection my father had was the Ray Conniff singers, Guy Lombardo, like Benny Goodman, like so. I had a pretty kick-ass palette of music to draw from as a kid. I had all this original big band shit, you right. know, Benny Goodman and Guy Lombardo and Les Paul when he was playing jazz and country music. Um, right. And then my mom had Freddie Fender and the Mamas and the Papas and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles. So I was screwed. You know, I was screwed from get from the word go. It was awesome. I had just beautiful. And now I have all this stupid music around me um, because it's just it's a gift. It's the greatest so, gift. Sorry. Phone call. Elvis was a blip, Jeff, Jeff Davidson. His creative his creative output really was a blip. It was a couple of years where his true creative output was a blip. Now that I said, think... it was a massive blip. It was, you know, he had, he had a moment that is still that the, a, a, okay. talking about a, a short period of time. He was a Zephyr. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, Neanderthal, you forgot the 1970s had the Bay City Rollers. That's yes. Right. And the, by the way, the Bay City Rollers and Sweet and all of that weird, goofy shit. Um, that was cool too. I love sweet. Let's, let's not forget the Bee Gees. You know, you might want to rip disco. Go back and listen to those Bee Gees records. You're like, holy shit, these are good songs. Do you know why? Because the Bee Gees were competing with the Beatles. And there's an argument to be made. They were kind of the same band early on. The Bee Gees, early Bee Gees stuff does sound like the Beatles. They had amazing harmonies, amazing songwriting. So yeah. Weren't they in that movie? Yes, they were in the Sgt. Pepper movie. Yeah. Which is yeah. A, really a bad thing. That's one of the mistakes they made in their career was being in that movie. <laughs> what band would you consider to be um the 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 biggest clone of the Beatles as far as God, they sound just like them? Well, I mean, like unintentionally or or I mean everybody did for a long time back then. A lot of bands no, caught obviously the monkeys right. was clearly attempted to do that i yeah. would say oasis did a really good job of sort of copying the beatles in a way that was you know beatles-esque but there were so many bands back then that mm-hmm. did that mm-hmm. i mean you know that style became you know the birds sort of took a little bit of what the beatles did and made it you know their own um right. you know there's 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 so many bands that did that Especially uh, during that time period. Yeah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. But none of them. Yeah, I mean, they all tried to, <laughs> they all tried to do. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> they all tried to be the Beatles. You know, the Beatles, again, there's a great example for being first. Um, the Beatles was the first band that everybody said, I've got to have my version of that. You know, we talk about how Creed was like, you know, Creed exploded because they were a bad Pearl Jam ripoff, but then there were all these bands that sounded like Creed and Nickelback. There's all these bands that sound like Nickelback. King's mm. X is very, very reminiscent of the Beatles. Good job, False Flag. King's X, super oh, underrated even, uh, band. Lenny super Kravitz had a very Beatles-ish type yes. of tune. Yeah, Lenny Kravitz as well. a direct ripoff. So here we are. I mean, I mean, Let Love Rule is almost Hey Jude. It's, I mean, it's almost the same song. That's right. Um, there's those are those things that that the Beatles did when when there was when they got their moment when Capitol Records got the Beatles on their on their label and created a cash cow. Every label was like, God, I got to create my version of that. Yeah. Um, you know, Hermits, 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 a variety of people, number of people. <laughs> yeah, all those bands. Yeah, they all had the, the same haircuts. They ran around, did the, tried to do the same type of videos. Mm-hmm. I mean that, and the monkeys was was the most successful, I think. Of of well, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the monkeys was a deliberate. But by the way, the monkeys had some pretty damn good songs. I mean, they were obviously yeah. weren't written by them, but you know, monkeys created are pretty good. in Hollywood, written by yeah. Neil Diamond and huge yeah. songwriters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Humble Pie was a great band, Rock Daddy. Fantastic band. Didn't get any, get any. Uh, don't get a lot of credit for who they were. Yes, El Elvis. Right? Elvis was the first. Jeff Davidson. I know you want to stand up for Elvis, and that's great. He was an icon. There's no doubt about it. But his good music was this period. He he did have. And by the way, the only reason why Elvis was as big as he was is because racist America wasn't ready to give Little Richard or James Brown or Chuck Berry. The credit those guys were significantly more prolific do you realize that elvis presley recorded 600 songs in his career do you know how many he wrote zero, zero. elvis presley never wrote a song he was a movie star good looking guy with a unique voice that was very reminiscent of of black america while being a straight up clean-cut white boy can you really honestly amazing. say racist america wasn't ready for for those artists they're though? still not ready for it mm -hmm. you still hear people say that hip-hop doesn't belong in the rock and roll hall of fame certain parts of the, of the country are still the, the same the jim crow south still exists man it still okay. exists don't get me wrong i'm not you know it, you believe as you want but chuck berry fats domino little richard robert johnson big bill brunzi um uh james brown shit man james brown is was five thousand times the entertainer that elvis was james brown was better than elvis better his band was better his show was better his songs are better but unfortunately in the 1950s <clears throat> can't have it bb king yeah right. great example freddie king Albert King, <laughs> Buddy Guy, those guys all did more than Elvis. Elvis never wrote a song. Now that said, certainly the first pop star, certainly the icon, certainly the king of rock and roll because he was marketed as such. He was the greatest. He was the first rock and roll movie star. 
But all those people that you did list off there, they're all household names. Right. So, so I'm I'm thinking that, you know, Jeff if Davidson is so racist, we wouldn't know of any of those people. Jeff Davidson, James Brown is 10 times better than Elvis. He's not a screamer. Have you ever listened to This Is a Man's World? Those blues are fucking dripping off of James Brown. James Brown was phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was an asshole. He was out of control. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he was James was, Brown. I liked was. it when he would take his robe off and the roadie would grab the robe and stick it back on him. That's all I ever got out of that. James <laughs> Brown was fucking awesome. Elvis, Elvis couldn't play guitar. Scotty Moore was his guitar player. And phenomenal, and by the way. Scotty Moore, a, a guitar player who never gets any credit for being as good as he was. Elvis wasn't a great guitar player. He wasn't. He was an amazing frontman. There's no doubt that he was a frontman. Elvis was an entertainer, without a doubt. Could he sing? Absolutely. He had a unique voice that was great. Mm-hmm. But he never wrote a song. Yeah, that does kill your kill you when you kills your career when you're not a songwriter. It cheapens it. Uh Hellstorm Carl Perkins, mm-hmm. another guy that doesn't get a lot of credit for being as good as he is. Right. James James Brown. Yeah, Jackie Wilson is a great example. James Brown is a phenomenal, phenomenal musician. Sorry. I know, I know you want to love Jeff. You want to love Elvis and you want to put Elvis, but the reality is when it's all comes down to it, Elvis was an amazing pop star. He was certainly marketed. Fantastic. He had a great voice. He had a great look. The chicks went nuts, but he's nowhere near as talented as James Brown, Chuck Berry, little Richard, even, even Jerry Lee Lewis, nowhere near as talented as any of those guys were. That well, said, the argument is none of those guys could sing like Elvis. Uh, well, I'm not sure that that's true. I'm not sure that that's Love true. Me tender. He had a he had a fantastic. He was Elvis was the white Nat King Cole. Yeah, Elvis's voice was Nat King Cole smooth, and he was right. white. And he was he was and Ray Charles again. Jerry Wilson, another fantastic one. Those all of those people were better than Elvis. All of them. Elvis was just. I phenomenal. have some Ray Charles blues albums. I love the blues. <clears throat> That Ray Charles does. Yeah, all those guys, all those, by the way, welcome to Talking 80s Metal. <laughs> well, we're starting at the roots of where it began. Elvis was began. was well-marketed. Yeah. And and by the way, I lived in Memphis and actually almost killed Elvis's cousin. Oh, with nice. A, with a, with a um, um, if you've ever, if anybody's ever been to Memphis, there are these stores, they're kind of like uh, Quick Trip or, or 7-Elevens. They're called Mapco. Um, and Mapco, the radio station I was working at was doing a 92 cent gas promotion. And we were in South Haven, Mississippi, which is, which is not too far North of Tupelo, uh, and just South of, of, of Memphis. Um, and we were changing the, the price on the, on the, the sign outside the gas station. And you know, the, those prices, they're on like little plat, the numbers are on little plastic, like, um, yeah. poster board. You know what I mean? So we had a suction cup and like a grip, you know, like one of those grip things that you'd use to grab like something on a top shelf. And we were taking the stuff down and one of them came down and hit this guy in the face, like right here and sliced his eye open, like, like Rocky Balboa in in Rocky one. 
And I found out after the fact, somebody goes, yeah, that's like Elvis's second cousin. I was like, they still live here. The whole family still lives in Mississippi. And Elvis also used to bang my general manager, um, which I did the math. She would have been underage at the time. Yeah, there you go. There's Matco. Yep. I think it's Memphis something something oil company or whatever, petroleum company. Yep. Um, because Mapco had its own oil refinery and gas refineries and shit. Hmm. Ooh, look, look at, at that. Cold snacks. beer. Energy. Restaurant. Mapco was the first place I ever was able to buy beer on Sunday. I grew up in Massachusetts, and Massachusetts has these old blue laws where you can't buy beer on a Sunday. Um, so when I moved from Massachusetts to Tennessee, you know, we drove literally. My ex-wife and I were still dating at the time. Um, no, we had just been married. We drove from Boston down to Memphis. And when we got to Memphis, we got there on like a Saturday. And Sunday, we went into Mapco, and we saw the beer case wasn't locked up. It was the first time I'd ever bought beer on a Sunday. It's like, oh, my God, is this possible? <laughs> You're like, party. <laughs> so, very strange. It looks nice. Welcome to a better break, Mapco. <laughs> They probably have those big giant burritos in there. Oh, those Tina oh. burritos. He's Tina burritos. Mm. The big bomb, yeah. No, they were they were um yes, come and go in, in uh Jerry, come and go. I think it's K U M and apostrophe I'm not kidding, that's what it is. No, I've seen them, yeah. Yeah, come we'll and go. There's one in there's one in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, we got a lot yeah. of quick trips here and Circle K, and we we had some AMPMs here in Phoenix for a while, but they've slowly started is? to just go away. Is that what it is, Mike Neese, Mid America Pipeline Company? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I thought it was something Petroleum Company. Okay, you're right. Um, I, again, I'll, I'll defer to it. Um, I just remember that was the first time. It was it's a Memphis thing. It's in I'm the surprised they haven't shut that pipeline down. Oh, I'm getting political. I'm not supposed to do that. Damn. Paul hates it when you say anything political. It's because you lose half your audience. Yeah. You lose half your okay. audience no matter which side you take. So. See? We just lost yeah. like 10 people. Did we? Is that because they want to pay the high gas prices? <laughs> no, because they all got hungry and they headed to 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah, that's possible too. Piggly Wiggly. The first Piggly Wiggly was in Memphis, Charlie S. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's actually a Piggly big like, bronze plaque. Uh, if you're going down, I forget the street. It's not Beale Street because Beale Street runs uh, uh, perpendicular to this street. But where the trolley goes down downtown Memphis through downtown Memphis, you get to this area and there's like a little park. It's like a, this like it's a little plot of land with like benches, little park benches and shit on it. And there's a huge plaque, bronze plaque that says on this site stood the first Piggly Wiggly 19, I don't know, 30 something. I don't remember when it was open, but it's this huge like bronze plaque. Like they're so proud of the first ever Piggly Wiggly supermarket. <laughs> I don't even think I've ever even heard of the Piggly Wiggly until it was like in a Jeff Foxworthy joke or something. Larry the Cable Guy talked about it. Yeah, Piggly Wiggly was 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 a big deal, man. In fact, that's where Chris DeBaldo got busted uh, banging his underage girlfriend was in the parking lot of a, a Piggly Wiggly. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. He was 21 and she was, I don't know, 16 or 17. It was a consensual relationship. Everybody knew about it, but um, 
his parent that you know they had all parental approval all this kind of weird shit it was very common down there in the south and there you go the piggly wiggly piggly wiggly clarence saunders everybody oh and they had a beauty contest if you look off to the right you'll see that see the little train station there's little there's the trolley line is right there and that's literally through the middle of the city that trolley line runs parallel to the mississippi river <laughs> boinky boinky. That's that's what that's what Cabaldo was involved was in. The was boinky boinky. boinky. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, that was a big deal, man. Piggly Wiggly was a was a huge deal in Tennessee. They took that shit very seriously. And and like a couple of blocks over, there's another sign for I forget the call letters of the radio station. It, it drives me nuts that I can't remember, but it was the first really? black owned, the first black owned uh, radio station. In, in American history. Wow. Yeah, Christopher, it's interesting when you talk about Detroit and knowing nothing but great music. When you come from a city like that, like Detroit, and and uh, when I grew up in Boston, it was fairly, fairly big with the Jay Giles Band in Boston and Aerosmith and so many you know major artists coming out of there, James Taylor. Um, you you feel like that's, it's like that everywhere in America. Um, and when I think about where I've worked going from Boston to Memphis, which was clearly the birthplace of rock and roll to, Mm -hmm. to new Orleans, the birthplace of jazz. I mean, I've, I've, I'm so, I'm very thankful given the amount of music that I've been exposed to in my life of how many different amazing music cities I've had a chance to live in. Um, and it really is a great way to, um, digest America is going to places like Austin, Texas or Memphis <clears throat> or Chicago, Detroit, you know, Philadelphia, um, places where there are Atlanta, uh, Athens, Georgia, places where there are Seattle, amazing music scenes that came up. Washington, D.C. Do D. you C. occasionally get offers from other stations around the country like, hey, man, come up, come if you're looking for work ever or whatever. Do you get, do you get emails or anything? Yeah, I mean they do that. They do, you know. You, you know, it. it they basically ask, first question they ask is, um, "Are you happy?" And then the second question is, "Are you under contract?" And if the answer um, to either of those questions is yes, um, the conversation ends because they can't get right. you. You know. Right. Um, but you know, when you're between contracts or between jobs, yeah. But I got, yeah. I mean, if I decided I didn't want to live in Phoenix anymore, I could probably find a job somewhere else in the country easily, um, which you know, great. I don't, I don't want to move. I'm 53. I'm done. Yeah. Philadelphia had a great uh, Vista light. Philadelphia had a great doo-wop that the doo-wop sound comes from Philly. Paul, what if it was like, had a phenomenal phenomenal music scene at one scene at one point. What if you got a huge offer from a radio station, but it was like a, um, I don't know what would be a crazy kind of a station. AM. Yeah, no. AM uh, is what, big. What if, what if it was a top 40 station and you had to do the wild morning show comedy routine? The music's unimportant. Oh, okay. If you're if you're entertaining, if you're entertaining, uh you can be entertaining to any audience. Um so what would be your really- dream job if you were to if somebody would call you and offer you something? I don't know. Lead singer in Van Halen. <laughs> What I mean, as far as radio, what about serious, your own serious station? Um, like that. 
I've had people ask why I'm not on um, Hair Nation or Ozzy's Boneyard. Um, and uh, the point is that, A, they don't pay that well. Um, and that's really, that's the truth. And they don't, and it's not live. With the exception of a couple of Eddie Trunk shows, um, most of what you hear on Sirius Satellite Radio is pre-recorded. All those those Tommy Londons and the and the Keith Roths and all those guys they record that stuff in a studio like mine, um, and they just fake it and then send it through the internet to the satellite and it's not live and I don't I don't like doing radio that way. WDHA in, in Jersey is awesome. Uh, Terry Carr is my secret not so secret radio crush. I love Terry. She's one of my favorite people on the planet and super talented. Yes, Mem Memphis is the birthplace of rock because that's where Sun Studios was. And that's where all of those bands, um, you know, that's where the record companies were at the time. That's where they would they would press the records. That's where Jerry Lee Lewis was from. That's where all those bands recorded. That's why Memphis is the birthplace birthplace of rock. And yes, Elvis was Elvis was marketed out of Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it. That's why rock and roll came from Memphis because Sun Studios was the first big rock and roll recording studio. And Elvis had that manager. What was his manager's name? Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker. Colonel Tom Parker. Now, did the Colonel, the first time he heard Elvis, he's like, and Elvis is like, sir, I don't, I don't, I don't write songs. Do you think the Colonel was like, hey, man, don't even sweat it? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker saw, a good-looking kid with a smooth-sounding voice um, and said, I'm going to make him a pop star. And he did. Is that Swiss Picks? Somebody bought Swiss these Picks? at your shop today. Swiss oh, Picks. Cool. They sent me this. You sold these today, Dan. Oh, yeah, that's Rico B. Oh, yeah, Rico, Rico B. B. Rico is in the store today. I'll tell you what, man, uh, Pete, and I'm not supposed to say anything, but he's got a great guitar collection, the owner of Swiss Picks. Sure. Well, you just said it. You're not supposed to say anything, <laughs> Swiss Picks. Yeah, I got a, I've got a, about $100 worth of Swiss Picks from him today. So it's... um. I don't know, twenty five packs or something. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you uh, are you going to have a display behind you? I stuck them next to the Dunlop stuff. Oh yeah, I should put them right here, huh? They're uh, they're they're right over here in the closet too. Is that a real guitar behind you? People like Laz was asking me yesterday if that's an actual guitar. This one, oh, the, the striped, yeah, the Van Halen. Yeah, yeah, that's a real. I put them right here. One, two. I bought twenty-eight packs. Swiss picks. Nice. I bought everything he he brought, and he surprised me because at the time I was I wasn't expecting him, and he walked in, and I'm like, "Awesome! Thank you so much. Let's do a video about it." He's like, "Oh, I don't really want to do videos." Okay. <laughs> Man. I don't push people too hard to do a video. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, he had some great stories today when when Pete was in here. But you can't. But he doesn't me. want me to blab about anything. Hmm. Because I'm a bit of a blabber. Were there other people in there while he was telling them though? No, it's just Rico and uh, and Pete, myself. It was just you guys. Hey, uh, Mike Neese. I got two packages here from Mike Neese. I'll uh, open these up real quick. Really quick. Mike Neese, thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Let's see. What is this? Oh, dude. We're multitasking. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Look at this. Because you're never, never going to get them from... Now, Sweetwater. Sweetwater will never send them to you. Will never send them to me. And these aren't actually what I ordered from. I ordered the, the ones in the packages. These. These are the ones I ordered from, I think. I don't think they were the tins, but but I have all of them now. Thank you to 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 viewers like Mike Neese. That's a cool tin. All, he gets all kinds of free shit. Guys, you yeah. want to see a guitar? Yeah. I'll give you guys a hit. Dude. That's my this. clue. I'm opening up a package from Mike Neese here. Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Oh, that's cool. Look at that. That's brand new. I mean, literally brand new. They, they Van Halen store just just released these. Thank you, Mike Neese. Hey, Craig, welcome back from eating lasagna. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I, uh, I I forgot I had it plugged in. It's just been sitting on the stand behind me. It's been on this whole time. Just I'm just burning those tubes up. <laughs> well, how's the George Lynch pedal? I haven't used it yet. Paul bought a pedal from me, and it's the George Lynch pedal, where he can tap his guitar into all three amplifiers at the same time. We saw it on Saturday, or he was talking. Yeah, it's about pretty it. cool. I also oh, bought a head okay. rush that I haven't used yet. I missed that. Is this show and tell time? Wait, don't show it. Nineteen eighty six. It's a model two. Oh, cool. Japanese model two. My little brother has one of those. Look at what kind of bridge is that? Uh, it's a it's a Kaler Kaler style. Huh? I, wow! Yeah, I've never Kaler. I've never seen that 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 kind. I've just been just sitting here with this thing in clean tone, man. I I love clean tones on a on a Les Paul. 
That's a great, I mean, look, for, at the time, I'll tell you the story about this. That guitar, back in the day, was somewhere around seven or $800 in 1986. And my little brother bought one out of a place called Cambridge Music, where uh, the guitar teacher was a guy named Joe Stump, who's now in Alcatraz. Um, and those guitars were like He's seven, eight hundred bucks. No, um, they were like seven, eight hundred dollars. And then, um, at the same time, a guitar, a real Gibson Les Paul, as opposed to this uh, knockoff, um, you could get them for four fifty, five hundred bucks on the wall. You could buy like a Norland Les Paul for like four fifty, five hundred dollars. Nobody wanted them. They all wanted to buy those and Kramers and ESPs. And BC Riches, nobody gave a shit about the classic Les Paul or Strat. And you could have them for a song because everybody wanted those. It was stunning. Yeah, Bozik, Joe is a great Ingve clone. He's a huge clone. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna get flagged for for playing Joe Satriani. My mistake. My mistake. Oh no. Yep. That's right. It did wasn't you, played well, so it's. <laughs> did you see Laz has has a Satriani Ibanez? Oh, does he? Like first year or whatever. Dane has a fantastic Ibanez saber in there. That is that is um, basically pre-Satriani. It's the same guitar. Kind of like what what Skolnick played. Kind of yeah. The Saber S, I don't know, S540 or something like that. Well, that's the Ernie Ball Saber I have. Not, no, no. The Saber guitar was originally, it's a, it's an Ibanez model. Oh, yeah, yeah. The seven string. No. Oh, there's this is an Epi uh, Epiphone, um, and it is called the, uh, the Century. And it's got the single dog ear, noiseless. P90 in it. Wow. Hollow body. Arch top. I like and that. This is the, uh, what's the guy's name? John Beale. James Bay, 1966 century. James Bay, you guys ever heard of him? Nope. Uh, mm, no, He's an English artist. He might be a Christian artist. I'm not sure. But uh, it's a James Bay. And uh, if you like simplicity, you know, you got your volume, you got your tone, <laughs> and you got a single P90, a noiseless P90. If you like uncontrollable feedback. That guitar probably sounds better unplugged. Yeah. I would say. I <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> it looks cool. It looks he was cool. talking about um, just in a clean amp with reverb. This thing sounds gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, except it'll feed back if you crank it up too much. Yeah, yeah. It's not that kind of guitar where you're, 
you know, here's here's where your A minor is right here. It's it's a one one type of of uh, of sound. Yeah, you're down here doing this kind of stuff. That, that type of. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with that one pickup and it being hollow like that. And of course, no Floyd Rose. Flag. It's a nice wow. one. Wow, two guitars. And how, how much tonight? Guys got to call me. This is the strap that came with that. And it's got his logo on the strap. Somebody we've never heard of. Yeah, James Bay. He's got a couple albums out. He's an English artist. Hmm. I'm sure he likes the Beatles. I bet he loves the Beatles. I just I have know. that. I just kind of have that inkling that he's a Beatles fan. James Bay, everybody look him up. Remember that time when Michael Bay went crazy? <laughs> this went on reverb today. <laughs> Remember that? He went nuts. He's a guy that what makes Transformers? Yes. Dude, I saw that first Transformers movie in the theater. I almost like went nuts myself because of how crazy the effects were. It was too much. Yeah, there's the, the you know, that's the what you've got just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's the Ingve Malmstein rule. <laughs> Is that your IBS What is that? It's an Ibanez. Jay, look at that. Look at that nut. Oh my gosh. That's what oh, she said. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> my nuts were in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that one, John. <laughs> I'm not a very funny guy usually. Wow. Active fishman oh pickup. How thick Fans is that heavy? 24 fret, seven string, multi scale, fan fretted, same thing. Yeah, you just like, you, you know, I have no idea where I'm at on any of this. Man, that's the total opposite guitar of that, that Epiphone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, two full spectrum. Tone. If you want to paint goes from guitars. gray to purple. I haven't restrung it or cleaned it up yet. I've had it a couple of weeks now. Real thin little horn here. Super cool though. You show up at a gig with this thing, and even if you ignore this low string and you just show up and do your normal thing, people are gonna be like, damn, that dude's a bad mofo. Yeah, just show up with that. You don't just you don't have to plug it in. You just show up with it and people are scared. To the blues jam. Oh uh, yeah. You'll get kicked out instantly if you br bring that thing out. That's the thing about blues jams. Is when you show up, if you're the new guy, they, you know. Look how weird it looks like you've you. got your harmonicas with you already. 
but it's a little case that has uh, small little wrenches and tools and and uh, an extra whammy bar or whatever, you know, goodies. You got a little goodie box with it. Wow. It's got a little... little uh, warranty card nobody ever uses. No whammy bar. No whammy bar on this one. Hey, Keith Campbell. Keith Campbell got a new guitar yesterday. He sent me a, a text on, my, on the text line last night. Keith, tell them what you got. Or s send in, uh, text me a, a photo of your guitar. We'll show. Look at this. Oh, my gosh. You would think this guy should open up a store. He's got so many guitars. This is a fun one. <laughs> oh, man. The Jackson. What's the guy's name? Was from, that? Uh, Leaf Garrett? That's good. Yeah. Adrian Smith. Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden. I love the fact that Dane has to think about who the guitar players from Iron Maiden is. I couldn't tell you their names. I could tell you the name of people that were in Iron Maidens before I could tell you people that are in Iron Maiden. Iron fucking Maiden, mate. <laughs> Look at that, Maple Neck. Super cool, right, guys? Yeah. How much tonight? Right now. 5,000. Oh. Pennies? If anybody wants anything, you got to call me tomorrow. <clears throat> Don't call me tonight and be just fucking goofing around. Hmm. Did Don't your phone ring? Around. Like after these shows, is your phone like ringing? No. You would think with me putting my phone number on the internet like down there, it would ring all yeah. the time. Sometimes it does. Most of the time it doesn't. Yeah, I do. I need a, a guy that just to tune the guitars. Paul knows when regulars come in here, I may I hand them the tuner and I make them tune. Yep. First thing. And it's funny too because I, I mean, I'm not going to dime you out, Dame, for being a jerk because you're not a jerk about it. I understand that if I worked in a guitar store and I heard it this often, I'd be sour about it too. But the one thing that Dane gets really salty about really fast is when somebody is playing guitar and they spend about anything more than 30 seconds tuning it, he'll hear them. They're just going fucking ding, 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 ding. And Dane goes from across the store, I can tune that for you if you want. <laughs> Like he gets so pissy about it. There was, there was some, I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a customer in the store. Um, and they, I'm going to use the, they, them pronoun because I'm not going to gender shame anybody. Um, 
but they were in the corner. And I mean, literally, I even I recognized it after about 12 minutes of trying to tune the A and the E string. And I, Dane just finally, you know, he's, yeah, I can see him starting to steam up and he goes, do you want me to tune that for you? And the, and the person goes, no, no, I've got it. And I'm like, no, you don't. And if yeah, you and it was a Floyd with a locked those... nut. And yeah, it, the, it was, the nut was locked. Yeah. And... Yeah, I was like, no, you don't know what you're doing. You know what else bugs me is the old guys that come in and they look Wait, around like seriously. And I'm like, can settle I help you with something? And they're like, yeah, I'm looking for like an old Martin. And I'm like, dude, coming in here asking for an old Martin <laughs> is almost like going to Auto Nation Nissan and asking for a 63 Corvette. Okay. What are you doing in here? I'm not going to have an old Martin. And if I, I do have an old Martin, see, that's what I have to do at the store, too. I have to talk over people tuning. If I do have an old Mar Martin car, <laughs> no, I no. have like three or four guys that are Johnny, on my like list this. of people to call the Johnny, second like I this. get one. <laughs> it's like this. And then they stop, and then they stop for a second. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm writing a Metallica song. You know what else bugs me? I hate to be one of those old guitar store guys that everything bugs him and he's just an asshole and you don't even <laughs> want to go into the guy's store. But, but you're gonna. The things that people do is just like, oh my God. Um, guys come in and they set with the acoustics and then they start singing. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, no singing, man. <laughs> yeah. be, right, be right back. I got a dog thing. Okay. Yeah, I would think that's the last thing you want is, singing, is some guy like, coming no, in and singing. If somebody plays Stairway, that, I'm fine with that. That's a hard song to play if they're playing it right. I love to hear somebody playing Stairway. It's the uh, Seven Nation Army tune that gets a bit much. And uh, it's oh, which, a lot which of, one's a that? Lot of young, is that Jack White? Dum, 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 dum. Yeah. Uh, every kid knows that one. But sometimes it's kind of refreshing. A very young person will come in and they'll start playing Wish You Were Here. Or a young person will come in and they'll play, um, you know, uh, Blackbird or something. And uh, but the, the, sometimes, man, oh, like, I can't even play that. Come in here, and they're shredders, and and their right hand is like tunnel, 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 so fast, and they they thunk, yeah, like twice that fast, yeah. Oh, and then they're just like, and I'm like, God, I wish I could play like one half of that, you know, speed that they got. These kids got the fastest right hand that they can just. On those. Yeah. Yeah. That's the I worst. can't do that. 
That's horrible. And I have a hard time. I have a hard time doing the chugging and stuff. But I also have a hard time <laughs> with the um, every note that I play. I'll do the mully. Is it down? Is it downstroke? Oh man, hang on, hang on, San Diego, call back in a second. Here's the mully. Yeah. Mully used to do this. Can you hear this? There it is. That's the Mully version of Smoke in the Water. Mully. We miss you, Mully. You gotta come back. All right, San Diego, call back. We're getting phone calls. Do it again. Do it again, man. I'll play the bass part. Okay, ready? Two, uh -huh. three, four. Hold on, one time through, and then I'll come in. San Diego. We're taking calls from San Diego tonight. I think. How do we do this? Yeah, Austin says this show really hey now, sucks. Hey, hey now. San Diego. Dan. Who is this? Hello. Who do you who do you know from San Diego? Come on, dude. Uh I don't know. Who do we know? Got a new San... little baby named Black Betty. <laughs> I showed you my new baby pictures. <laughs> oh, this is Keith. Duh. Keith Campbell is here. San Diego is a beautiful city. Hello, everybody out there in the interwebs. <laughs> Keith, so hey, the only problem is I can't I I, I can't show your your picture as as I have you on the phone at the same time. Uh, no shit. <laughs> oh, you can't swear on here. Oh, oops! I'll um, send you five bucks. Okay. Change the color of my blurry lights. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I, it says I'm missing. I'll send you the brown. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see, man. We're getting a lot of texts tonight. Doing, man? I'm I'm great, man. We we were jamming. We were playing. Yeah, uh, badly. I heard. Smoke I on the water. Cold. Yeah, yeah. That was fake, man. That, that yeah, was. You're starting to sound like me. I can't. I can't let you get up to my level. <laughs> Yeah, I had to cut that off real quick at the at the bud. <laughs> I, I get real jealous on everybody getting better than me. Show us oh. your baby pictures. <laughs> Let's see. So, so really quickly, tell us tell us the story. 
Tell us a story about your guitar, and I'll try to show a picture of it at the same time. With fire in the sky. Okay. Um, well, it's uh, an Indonesian uh, basswood with maple neck, um, a bomber black. Actually, and I can show it. And all black hardware. Let's see. I, j I just saw it. I just saw it. Where is it? Basswood body. Here we go. There it is. God, there the we go. Right. Uh oh. Somebody um, asked to see my baby. I don't know what they're talking about. Baby pictures. Oh, really, Dave? That's my granddaughter. Yeah, there it is. There you go. So you're looking at his baby, and you're looking at Keith's new baby right here. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> cool. So how do you like it, Keith? How do you like it? I like it. Um, you know, I, I I played that for a little while, and then I played the red one that was next to it. I like the black one better. It felt better on the high end, you know, um, up by the trunk. Um, and then I went to another record store or album or guitar store, and uh, it's blurry. Guitar was Frankenstein. I'm like, holy shit, you know. And there are like maybe ten decent guitar stores in San Diego. Um, and that's aside from uh, the chains, you know, got Sam Ash and then guitar mm -hmm. But the neck on that Frankenstein, oh my God, it fits my hand perfectly. Holy crap. I love that thing. I may go back and buy that this weekend. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, yeah. If, if you get it, let, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Let me let me see if I can find the. Is it okay if I show the picture of you with with the with that one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can any any pictures I uh, send you, you can share. Absolutely, you have my complete authority. If I ever send you a picture, you can share anytime. Awesome, Ke. Unless it's a, like a penis picture, <clears throat> don't send those. Yeah, don't send. Or those. maybe Johnny's into that. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> judging. Yeah, don't judge. Um. Oh man, I'm trying to find the. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, Keith Campbell. He just got a new Wolfgang. If you guys are wondering what's going on, and uh, he's thinking about getting the new Frankenstein. Similar to that one back there. Yeah, back. but I still want to do a build too, though. But you want to build one as well. Oh, I'm already. I already got parts together. You know, mm -hmm. I just got to get the neck and body. So I'm. I'm. I'm just about there. So I'm gonna. After the holidays, I'm gonna tent off my patio area in my condo complex, make it into a paint booth. <laughs> You're missing the two most important parts now: the neck and the body. And then I'm going to paint everything off. And then he can't oh. hear you. Right on. Paul's back. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, dog pee situation. Well, 
you know, other than that, us, uh, else, uh, uh, you know, I'm just uh, getting to know my uh, little baby doll here. Very cool, man. Yeah, congratulations. What were we talking about? Thank you. Thank you. Keith Campbell got a, a Wolfgang uh, Indonesia standard yesterday. Oh, cool. And he's very excited. Very cool. All right. I'll, I'll let you guys get, get back to your business. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, man. Colin. Yeah. Are you still here? Hope, that- everybody, uh, hope everybody's doing well and uh, hope everybody survived the holidays well. And uh, I need Paul to give Lemmy the ball. Yes. Right? Lemmy gets the ball. Lemmy gets, she, gets the, she always gets yes. the ball. All right. Keith Campbell. <clears throat> there he was. Yep. Lemmy always gets the ball. So what else did I miss? Did he show? Oh, he showed the Ernie Ball. Uh, well, we were playing "Smoke on the Water." Yeah. Oh, cool. We played some music. I don't know how to play that. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story. I've never. That's not something I've ever learned how to play. Oh man. That is a very very cool guitar with the roasted maple neck, and the fretboard, the ebony on it is so beautiful. Uh, it looks like rich light. It's that that clean. Did I show you guys this last Tuesday? Yes. That was actually the featured guitar last Tuesday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I was going to tell you, if you want to, you can Photoshop um, Mancuda's head on the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Just Photoshop his head over top of mine. Mm-hmm. Be the thinnest Mancuda's looked in decades. See there? John's not here. Zing! <laughs> his ears are burning somewhere. He's working, which is not something you hear very often when talking about John Mancuda. So good for him. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm excited to see that movie. I'm happy for him. You know, there's nothing worse than an actor who's not acting, except for a bad actor. Yeah. I'd rather have an actor not, like if if Paulie Shore never acted again, that would be a gift. Mm-hmm. He sings. He has a band. Okay. They play. They play music. Well, good for him. I mean, I saw a Pauly Shore uh, brand new movie uh, on Netflix only about probably six months ago where he was the house guest. He lived out in the guest house and he was a total stoner and the people wanted to kick him out and couldn't. It was a movie. Good movie. Yeah. Pauly Shore. It was new. new Was it filmed in Hawaii? Didn't he do a movie called House Guest? Yeah, house guest. Yeah, he lived out. Yeah, but wasn't that like forty years ago? <laughs> no, this was la- like last year on Netflix. Are you, are you sure this isn't an old movie? Pretty sure. He looked house like an guest. old guy. Twenty twenty. What well, happened in the old movie? Oh, twenty twenty. Yeah. Twenty twenty house year. guest. Oh, Rock Daddy, settle down with Rich Light. Rich Light's fine. Rich Light is fine. There's nothing wrong with Rich Light. 
you didn't, if nobody mm. told you, you wouldn't know the difference. You can't hear the difference. If anything, rich light is actually more stable than any wood. Yes, it's a resin. For those that don't know what rich light is, it's basically strips of paper dipped in a uh, polyphenolic resin and and glued together in layers to make a fretboard. Um, it's basically what Formica counters are made out of. Yeah, Sinbad. <clears throat> yes, that's what I thought, Fret Level Midnight. House Guest was yeah. a movie with Sinbad and Phil Hartman. Hmm. You know, Maybe you can only name a movie. Name. It's just like a song title. There's only so many possible song titles that you can come up with, right? And so how many house parties are there? There's probably a dozen of them. Well, now house parties is a totally different thing. Now you're talking about kid and play, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's house. Kid playing, kid and plays. That house party, that first house party movie was the barbershop of its moment. House yeah, Party was, was a fun stuff. movie. That was a fun movie. See, again, oh, going back to... had the old guy about. from uh, Barney Miller It was on that, right? Ron Glass. Oh, no, that's the Bob... That's the Big Burger one. No, they... they um. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about us having lived through all of the great, you know, musical moments. We we were witnessed the birth of hip-hop, too, and, like, all that whole House Party and Kid and Play and Fresh Prince and... Um, and all the fun stuff that came with that, with DMC and and you know, break dancing. Remember when everybody would 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 pop and lock and do the robot, and you would take a refrigerator yeah. box and put it down in a basketball court and try to spin yeah. on your hand and pull a groin. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I got a friend that can do that. Yeah, pull groins. Oh yeah, pull. Yeah, well, for an extra for a nominal fee. <laughs> It was, you know, look, we, we, we're spoiled. We're, we're so lucky to have been able to go through. Because it's all been done now. There's nothing new that can be done musically. We've heard it all. Gregorian chants all the way through to the most amazing digital music that can possibly be created. The only thing that's going to yeah. happen at some point um, is we're going to get, oh, we're getting spammed by a... Uh, some sort of online clothing. Yeah. Gone. Weird. Here, I just I just have to hide. Yeah. I did I did the same thing. Is that just the one or is there more? Oh, you got it hidden. I can't I can't hide. I think you can you can time out. Yeah, I can time out. I can't hide. You, you gotta give me that out. wrench. You got to give me that power <laughs> on Tuesday nights. That's unlimited power. I should have that. <laughs> oh no, rock daddy. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't love Ebony, but there's nothing wrong with rich light, especially given, given the fact that the Ebony supply is dwindling as we destroy the planet. See, that's political right there, Dane. That's how you go political I... without pissing people off is you talk about how, how we're destroying our own planet and that's fucking up the fretboard availability yeah. for guitars. Yeah. That's how you don't lose anybody. It. Okay. <laughs> I kind of like maple necks. I like a ma maple board. Uh, maple boards are snappier. They're snappier. Yeah. They're a little bit better for, for shredding, although you can't tell that to Blackmore or Ingve. Um, You know, rosewood, darkwood boards tend to be a little bit warmer and a little bit, you know, more fragile. Um, you got to do a little bit more, 
more work on them. Rich Light has none of those problems. Rich Light is is stable. Um, you can refret it and not worry about cracking the wood or the surface. I mean, it really is. You don't have to oil it. You don't have to clean it. Um, but, you know, it's like anything else. It takes a little while for people to get used to things. And until somebody makes a guitar with Rich Light on it that's desirable, and that's the problem is is there isn't there hasn't been a guitar that's become desirable. Yes, Martin has used Rich Light um, on some of their models, but not on the really big, expensive, like valuable ones. And when Gibson tried to put Rich Light on their guitars, the snobs, the cork sniffers went nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't suck, James Stewart. Rich Light doesn't suck. It's just you just don't like it. It doesn't suck. It's a va- it's a viable fret war- fretboard. <clears throat> it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Well, and in 50 years from now, it's all going to be rich. We light. might have a different yeah. conclusion. Oh man, all my rich light boards fell off and yep, every, broke everybody, or deteriorated. Every, everybody thought that, you know, when, when Bob Dylan plugged in electric guitars were the scourge of, of society, you know, Frank Sinatra said Elvis was the scourge of society. And then the Beatles were the scourge of society because their hair was too long. And, you know, every, you know, we just, it, people don't are resistant to change. And yes, Jerry Wilson, rich light does look like wood. You, you know, Mm -hmm. you put up a rich light fretboard. I only own one guitar with it. It's not something I would seek out, but if I want a certain guitar and it feels right and it's got rich light on it, I'm not going to, that's not going to keep me from buying the guitar. Oh, Doom Driver, I don't know what the next thing is going to be. I think when it's all said and done, everything has been done in music as far as styles. The next thing is going to be, it's the things that's universal. No matter what style of music we're talking about, if you write good songs, people will gravitate to it. And that's why whomever is writing songs for Taylor Swift is doing such a great job. Uh, and Taylor writes some of her stuff, but my point being, great songwriting trumps everything. Um, so the next big thing in music will probably be the ability to hear music without ears. When we can, when we can sense music, when, when we can get the brain to perceive music without hearing it, and get that that sort of cerebral response, the dopamine response that you get from hearing uh, uh, pleasant chord progressions with your ear. When we can figure out a way to do that, to get music to be, uh, I know this is going to sound awful, but inaudible, when you can feel music in your brain without having to hear it or visualize it, that's going to be the next big thing that happens because we've done everything stylistically. There isn't a style of music that hasn't been, that hasn't been done. Uh, what I about? Still, no, I think there's going to be a few styles that's going to come along and, and something is going to happen eventually a, a new style yeah like, like hip, hip-hop say, hey, opera it sounds like the yeah, old... hip-hop hip-hop opera <laughs> <Hip-hop-ra. laughs> yeah, yeah but there already is hip-hop i mean i mean if you think about uh um hamilton is almost you know is almost hip-hop right you know what i mean it's almost that's you know it's a hip-hop DJ interpretation. <laughs> all right hamilton yeah they'll they'll join genres together I remember in the 90s, it was these rock bands wanted to have some funk going on. And as a bass player in the 90s, early 90s, dudes are like, dude, can you go bump, 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 and I'm like, nah. Well, I mean, anybody anybody that wants to play like Bootsy, you know, Bootsy's the man. Yeah. 
metal hip hop uh, has been done. Every, yeah, everything's yeah, I mean, been it's, done. It's but they'll find a, something that they can again make new. Not to sound like sound like a dick, but music is finite. There are only twelve notes. There are only so many scales. I mean, eventually we can make a you know three three octave multi scale guitar and a in a in a twenty eight string or fifty or sixty fret guitar. I mean, it's all been tried. But when it's all said and done, you've got 12 notes in the scale and, you know, a, a finite number of notes, a finite number of keys. So the landscape upon which we can paint is finite. So you better come up with a good song. And again, because there are only 12 notes, eventually you start to see repetitive chord structures, which like, you know, the Bo Diddley beat or the 12 bar blues and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, And it comes down to how good is your song? Oh, Leo, I know who Bootsy was. That's the point. Goes back to James Brown being better than Elvis. His yeah, band was yeah. better. Yeah, yes. Gent is the new music. What is it? Can you Gent? I don't know. There's only so much you know you can do when you have a finite landscape. Um, now we have to start thinking about what are the uh, limitations of the human brain that we don't know that we, you know, we, we say, they say we've only tapped into the, you know, six, eight, 12% of the brain's potential. So right. somewhere out there, there's going to be a breakthrough in cerebral perception, whether, and, and whatever the gateway is to get that, whether it's visual or, or by touch or by audible or by taste, maybe there's music you can taste. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, at some point, there'll be some other way that music will be consumed that affects us. Um, and that's the next big thing. But, but it's true about the vocals. New. The vocals and the story of the vocals is sure always been the most important part. What, what's the guy singing about? If, if you don't have a song, you have nothing. And that's why the Beatles are so fucking great is because they had songs. You know, yeah, they have they have they have songs that are that are just unassailable. I mean, you listen to Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride is times like these from Foo Fighters. Same, almost same song, same concept. That melody, those the the way that guitar is layered. You know, I just um, I I'm not a huge fan, so I only bought their greatest hits. But you want to really dig into a band that was really good, and I didn't really pay attention when they were out the first time. The Bangles. Super hot that we all knew, but when you go back and you listen to shit like "Going Down to Liverpool" or "Or Hero Takes a Fall," those songs are outstanding, really well done, well recorded. The vocals are fantastic. The harmonies are very pleasing. I mean, really good songs. Um, I just remember they did "Walk Like an Egyptian" and the uh, one girl was smoking hot in that. But they used a drum machine. The producer or engineer or whoever made them use a drum machine. So the album, and that kind of pissed off their drummer. So the album after that, they went back and actually played like a band. Sure. But I think and they were the the I think they're the largest selling female like rock band in history. Um, well, yeah, they were they were, they have the most the best selling. I mean, Manic Monday and Walk Like an Egyptian are the two biggest selling female singles. But the Go-Go's were the first band. 
Do I think Vin, Mitch Malloy would have been a good fit for Van Halen? <laughs> <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> uh, no. I, here's the fun. Here's Can the fun I answer fact that first? Sure. Go ahead. Have at it. Okay. I think if if you were looking to replace Dave with another Dave type character, then I think having Mitch in the band would have been cool. If they, if he, he probably would have fell right in line after singing the Roth stuff, right in line with trying to write the same, Hey, party out behind the bar tonight style of music. And it, it probably would have, um, I think it probably would have done okay to stick right with the same, uh, flow that they were on. I think it probably would have worked And watching those couple little YouTube videos gives you a little glimpse of, Hey, you know, how would it have been if they would have tried to pick a Roth clone to take over for them? It was probably pretty good. And I'll give you the right answer. <laughs> okay. Mitch Malloy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start this off. I'm going to try to be, this is the thing. Everybody thinks I have a problem with Mitch Malloy. I have a problem with what Mitch Malloy is doing. I have no problem with Mitch Malloy. Mitch Malloy is a good singer. He's got a good to great voice. He's got a fantastic look. Mitch Malloy is completely uninteresting as a singer. Completely uninteresting. Think Brian Howe when he was the singer for Bad Company. Adequate. Does the job. Nothing interesting about him. Nothing. There's nothing interesting. There's nothing unique about him. He brings nothing to the table. Which is why... He has never had a career. He he released two albums under his own name on RCA Records. Neither one of them did anything. He put out a couple of independently released albums. Nothing did anything. He claims to, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, have auditioned for Van Halen. Didn't work out. He is now making a living singing great white songs that he did not write and playing in a Van Halen tribute band on the side. And so the answer is no. Mitch Malloy would not have been a good singer for Van Halen because he brings nothing interesting to the table. He's Robert Mason without the voice. Robert Mason has a better voice than Mitch Malloy. And Robert Mason is a guy. Jeff Scott Soto is a guy. There are a bunch of guys, I can name you a half a dozen great singers who have had better, more substantial more interesting careers than Mitch Malloy, who also would not have been the right singer for Van Halen. And that's my answer. It's mm -hmm. got nothing to do with Mitch Malloy's ability to sing. The guy can sing. He's got nothing else to offer. He's not interesting in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. That's, that's my honest opinion about him. He can sing and, and he's had a, sh he, he took a shot at a career, but he's had his shot and it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And my answer is with Van Halen, it's either Roth or Hagar. Anything other than that. It has to be. The fans don't want. Uh, you know, a great example of that, ACDC. ACDC had the Brian Johnson situation go down, and they grabbed an icon as a lead vocalist, and it didn't work. Right. Yeah. Queen. Queen decided after all those years to reunite and they grabbed arguably the greatest sing living singer on the planet, Paul Rogers, to sing for them, and it didn't work. 
there has to be something. And Paul Rogers brought too much to the table. Paul Rogers was so identifiable and Axel Rose was so identifiable as an individual that the chemistry didn't click. And it goes back to what we were saying about the Beatles. Those four guys created something that can't, that doesn't just happen. What Van Halen did with Roth and what Van Halen did with Hagar has only been done twice before. ACDC did it when they replaced uh, Bon Scott with Brian Johnson out of necessity. And Genesis did it when they got Phil Collins to, to step in after Peter Gabriel left the band, the art, the band went bigger. And I'll, I'll give mm-hmm. you a third example, Steve Perry and journey when, journey. He, when he took over. Yeah. I was about I to mean, say those, journey. those yeah. are the only three bands that have been able to pull that off and become bigger with their new singer. But now when, when Hagar joined Van Halen, the first thing that I heard from them was all those guys on stage playing. There's only one way to rock. And I'm like, why in the hell are they guys? Why why are they doing this? And I wasn't didn't become a fan until I actually heard the album, fifty one fifty, and I started to hear the songs, and Alien or whatever came out, and that's when I'm the like, okay, hey, this stuff's good, man. I kind of dig it, and that's what we didn't get to hear from Mitch. If Mitch would have joined the band, and we could have got over the first hump of them writing an album, and if we would have heard the end, it would have been even halfway decent, we would have been, okay, I'm on board with this stuff. But we didn't get that chance. We didn't get that far to see what he would do with an album with those guys. Dane, Gary Sharon is a better singer than Mitch Malloy. Gary Sharon is a better songwriter than Mitch Malloy. Gary Sharon is a better frontman than Mitch Malloy. And it failed. But because Eddie didn't let him actually write the songs. What makes you think? Eddie was going and doing six guitar solos before the first verse came in and stuff. Name a Mitch Malloy song. I I can't name any Mitch Malloy songs. (laughs) That's my point. That's my point. What makes you think? I'm just saying he's a good singer and he didn't get his his chance to write an album. Because he wasn't good enough. You come up with a couple of good lyrics. You got Michael Anthony singing background vocals. It would have been. Gary Sharon did that. Gary Sharon wrote fantastic lyrics. He wrote epic lyrics. I listen and, he to, had, and he has a better voice than Gary Mitch Malloy. Stuff, and from the start of his very first lyric, I don't know what he's just said. I don't, I can't hear what he's saying, what he's singing. I can't understand the lyric content on and any yet, of it. You can you can understand what Mitch Malloy sings, right? But you can't name a Mitch Malloy song. Well, no, he's but got when nothing, I listen to him in Great White, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's good. No, he's not. <laughs> and when I he's listen to him enough. with the Van Halen experience, I'm like, hey, this guy's pretty good. Well, that's because he overdubbed the vocals in the studio and then uploaded it after the fact. Those recordings, they're, yeah, those are, do- they're those are majorly all pre-recorded. They're all majorly doctored. Yeah, they're doctored and overdubbed. That's not him live. That's him in a studio. That's not the audience you're hearing. Nope. I'm nope, just saying is... I wasn't into Sammy until I got to hear the album, and so I don't know if if I'm but into you've... Mitch or not into Mitch without hearing well, what he could have done with them. On did the you first listen album. to It's the Right Time? Yeah, we you were in the store. We played that for a minute. There was no guitar solo in the song. It wasn't structured right. It sounded like he took an uh, old tape of Van Halen and sang along to it. But yeah, uh, that's that's called songwriting. 
but it wasn't structured the way he's like, wait, wait. And he didn't have Michael singing harmonies with him. And then there was no guitar solo in the middle that just totally shreds. No, it was just, it was a small effort. No, Edward Van putting his voice on something. Giving Mitch the benefit of the doubt, giving Mitch the benefit of the doubt. He, Eddie Van Halen wrote a song. Yeah. Handed it to Mitch Malone. And by the way, none of this happened. Mitch laid these vocals on an instrumental that existed, but okay. Because it was a song called That's Why I Love You, which never made it to Van Halen 3. That's how good that song was. It didn't even make it to Van Halen 3. But the point being, Eddie wrote a song, a piece of music, recorded probably all of it, probably recorded the bass himself on it, um, and had Alex lay the drums down, handed Mitch Malloy, the quote-unquote prospective singer for Van Halen, a song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mitch came up with. And nothing you said about it. The most important thing you said about it was the song wasn't structured right. There was no great guitar solo in it. You mm. never mentioned Mitch's vocal performance on it. That's how uninteresting he it, is. Well, it sounded <laughs> That's like, how uninteresting he is. It sounded like a very high voice that Evan, probably would have worked really well with Michael Anthony. The two guys singing high stuff together would have came, you know, like, you know, the... um. The, the Ted Nugent band they had together for a while, those two guys. And, and I know there's no solo on that because it was just, it was an unfinished demo. That, that right. is you what that was. Him on that. But having, yes, you can because you're judging the vocals. Having Edwards, having Edwards guitar solo on there isn't going to make you like the vocals any better. It's not going to make no, Mitch it sing any made better. It would have made it a song. It would have made it more of a structured song than just a jam with him singing over. Dude, over Amazing Grace is a fucking acapella song and it's brilliant. They're telling you to surrender. Surrender. Haka, uh, 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 hallelujah is an acoustic, <laughs> is an acapella song. It's great. You can't win this. He's not. He doesn't bring enough to the table. There's nothing you can do to defend him. If if he were viable, if he were talented, you would know he was around. What did Sammy bring to the table? Sammy Hagar was a fucking. He was selling out theaters. He was Sammy he had Hagar. Already been on. He was Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar wasn't. Now, certainly, contrary to what Sammy will tell you, he wasn't as big as Van Halen. <laughs> but Sammy Hagar had a career. Sammy Hagar put out two phenomenal records with Montrose, even though they are under the radar records. They're great records. He did an amazing right. record with Neil Sean called "Through the Fire." From the HSAS project, and he That's had half good. a dozen records, good. three of which are are fairly classic hard rock records from the eighties. I mean, Three Lock Box, VOA, and Standing Hampton are great records. Sammy knows how to write a song. How, how much of their manager was involved, though? And the really? label did did Eddie did Van Halen and Sammy have the same management team? Not in the beginning, they didn't. And the same label? No. Not in the beginning, they didn't. Dan, you should come back Friday because we actually talk Van Halen on Fridays. <laughs> this is perfect for Friday. Well, let you, let Jay yeah. know he's coming so Jay shows up. No, <laughs> I've been practice Friday. I, I appreciate I mean, the Jesus. invite, though. I mean, Sammy, Sammy is, despite you know being the second best singer in Van Halen, Sammy is talented. Sammy has a has well, a track record. Technically, he was the best singer in Van Halen. Yeah, but he's the second best singer in Van Halen. Yeah, I didn't say, he was, second, I didn't say he was the second best vocalist. I said he's the second how best How many singer. times in the early, early Roth Van Halen days 
did everybody that went and saw the Van Halen boys was like, Hey, you guys are really good, but your singer's got to go a lot. It a happened lot a lot. A lot of that's what happened that, yeah. to them when they were recording the first record. And then Ted Templeman taught Roth how to do it right. Okay. Well, where was Ted when Mitch was writing his little demo that Mitch, uh, Ted Templeman was nowhere to be found. Let's say we get the Van Halen boys in the studio. We have Ted Templeman there with them. We have Mitch sing the first verse. And then we have Ted go, hold on. You need to repeat that line and you need to go to this pitch on that note right there. And then Eddie will be like, hey, that sounds great. And then I'll go do right there. And then you'd have something in six months. They'd have a killer freaking album. Well, I'm looking at the the <clears throat> debut album. <clears throat> I'm looking at the, the, the debut album from Mitch Malloy in 1992. All right. This is one of his first album. Okay. You know who mentored Mitch Malloy? Johnny knows who mentored Mitch Malloy. One of the oh. greatest songwriters of the modern day. Uh, he he was he was my mentor for a time. Yeah. That's how yeah. I, that's how I even know this whole thing. Yeah. If Desmond Child, no offense, Johnny, if Desmond Child can't pull a hit out of you. You can't write a hit. I, I, no offense, Johnny. I'm not trying to be an asshole. The point oh, is... Oh, no. Well, no. But the, the thing, the project I was involved with, I was the guitar player. I wasn't right. a, a songwriter. So. But you know you know what I'm saying, Johnny. You've dealt with the guy. I was there when he was writing. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Desmond Child can't get a hit song out of you, you are incapable of producing a hit song. I mean, and this is the music business. Mitch Malloy is a career also ran. There are thousands of records released every year, and Mitch released some of them. Nobody knows anything. Shit, Desmond Child co-wrote a song on Mitch Malloy's first album, and it wasn't a hit. Desmond Child well, wrote a fucking that. song for Mitch Malloy, and he couldn't get a hit out of it. I had no idea all of that happened. Right, because Mitch Malloy is a career afterthought, which is answering the question as long-winded as we have, the not the right guy for Van Halen under <laughs> any circumstances. And yes, uh, Metal in La, Jane Child was hot, super hot, super hot. She had a hit song, unlike Mitch Malloy. <laughs> She did. She had a hit song. Mitch Malloy yeah. isn't even Robert Mason. Robert Mason was on was on a Cry of Love record. Did it sell? Not really, but he's on it. Robert Mason mm -hmm. was on a very good Lynch Mob record. Robert mm -hmm. Mason is on a couple of Warrant records. Robert mm -hmm. Mason is a better singer than Mitch Malloy. I don't know if he's a better front man. He certainly isn't better looking, but Robert Mason is one of those guys, and, and, and I mentioned Jeff, so Jeff Scott Soto earlier. Another phenomenal vocalist with a great look, who's a good front man, who now has put out a couple of great records with Sons of Apollo. Really good albums. Nobody cares. Oh, right. Right. Nobody cares. Yeah, Jane Child, Don't Want to Fall in Love. God, she was, she was fucking beautiful. Weird looking. Well, it was fun to debate that a little bit with you guys. 
Yeah, Robert Mason's a, a sick singer. Fantastic singer. Just ask him. He really Let's is good. Him. He is good. He really is good. He lives here. Yeah, I used to go up to uh, the Martini Ranch um, on Sundays. Yep. And he had a cover band called uh, uh, Metalhead. Yeah. They were a was... Steel Panther style thing. Yeah, they did the Steel Panther thing. Before they were Steel awesome. Panther. He also had another band Great called time. Big Cock, which was funny. <laughs> he was he was great. Rob, yeah, and so great being singer. the being the Phoenix guy, that's why he was yeah, able. Jane Child. Oh come on! Oh, Jane Child's hot. What's <laughs> that? that she made that look work. You should see the body on her. She made okay. that look Throw work. Down. Ah, that's all there is. Yeah, she's got ah. this sort of post post Madonna look. No, she was good. Jane Child was very talented. She does have a little bit of a um um Annie Lennox problem. thing. A little bit of an Annie Lennox thing. Yeah, and if she sneezes, she could kill her. She could probably put an eye out. <laughs> Yeah, Jane Child was. No, I'm not really into the look. I guess. Oh no, she she made it work. If Wendy O. Williams well, her, her back in the day, did you did you meet you what? her? No, did you never. interview her or meet her or anything back in the day? No, no such luck. Yes, Keith Campbell, Amy Mann, very similar, very similar look. Oh, there she is now. Now she looks better. Yep, she was great looking. Well, I don't figure out what Donnie's doing. <laughs> Porcupine hair. <laughs> Looks like she runs Barter Town. <laughs> she is both master and blaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There we go. She's done. She's done just fine. She looks just fine. That's her 30 plus years later. Still looks great. Yeah. Mm hmm. What was her song? Don't want to fall in love. Now that's a song we've heard of. Yes. That's, that was a hit song that Mitch Malloy did not write. How come she wasn't in Van Halen? She could have been in Van Halen. She was certainly more suited for it than, than Mitch Malloy. She at least has a track record of success. <laughs> <laughs> again I, look if i could sing like, like mitch malloy i'd fucking would but i can't well maybe i can you're I might, a good singer bro i might try i might try to do a cover of of it's the right time just to show that it can be done <laughs> if i can find johnny if you can find me an instrumental track of that's why i love you to sing over let me know where i can find it and uh and uh, and i'll and i'll do a cover of it's the right time in my studio. And, is there? and there might be oh, one somewhere. That, uh, what was that latest little uh, comedy spoof song that you did the other day and you were playing it for me? Oh, that was the Mitch Malloy was never in Van Halen song. Johnny has it. <clears throat> Johnny has it. I sent it to him. Uh, hang on. Let me see if I can. I might have it here. People are really sick of Mitch Malloy. I know. Here, I'm not going to play it. Um, 
I'm not going to play the whole thing. Um, Johnny, I can do this, right? What is it? Well, it's 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 tracks of that song that I sent. Have we been red oh, flagged just yet? Vocal track would be fine, just not uh, the music. I don't have the vocal track isolated. Oh. oh, I might have it isolated. Hang on a second. Let me look. Leo, my uh, Adrian Smith is an Indonesian model. It's like a four hundred dollar guitar. Let me see if I can find the uh, the isolated vocal track. That that would be funny. I don't think so. Uh, what's today? Today is the thirtieth. Yeah, I don't I don't have an isolated version of it, but I do have a bit of the finish. I'll just play a little bit of it, just so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. Here you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, that's enough. All right. Just say the words. Oh. <laughs> we got the tune in our head now, Paul. What was the first lyric? Sing it to us. <laughs> There you go. Although, although I do have uh, the the, the the money shot is. Yeah, here it is. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. What was the first line in it, Paul? Well, now his name is Mitch Malloy, and he was never in the band. Okay. Yeah. Now his name is Mitch Malloy, and he was never in the band. Yep. Wow. Yep. So there's, uh, you know. That's He's funny. in great white, although nobody cares. <laughs> Yeah, not whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. And you got paid for that. No, I just did it for the fun of it. Oh. <laughs> I literally did it for the fun of it. I just did it because I was bored. Oh, here comes here comes the criticism. Ah. It's threat level. That's fine. <laughs> okay. You Hello? Can't... Oh, hang on, hang on. Where's the speaker at? <laughs> Hello, is this Mitch? My name is Mitch. <laughs> I wasn't in Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. the next line? <laughs> yep. Paul, what was the next line? What, it was, uh, his name is Mitch Malloy and he was never in the band, but he'll... Try to make a living by ripping off the fans. <laughs> now he tried to do his own things, but his albums didn't sell. A lifetime karaoke singer living in his hell or something like that. 
you know. Oh my gosh. And then it was Killer. never was in Van Halen. <laughs> He's in grade wide. <laughs> little nobody cares. I love the breakdown in that song. Yeah. So now somebody said, Mitch, Lord, strike that poor boy down. Yeah, if only if only Mitch would be honest about how he really feels about Eddie Van Halen. That would be fun. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kurt fifty one fifty loved it. Yeah, you can't tell. You can't tell. Up oh, here comes another call. You can't tell. It's only uh, hearsay here now, my, my friend. Who's this one? It from? used to be once upon a time. Hello. Hello. Is this Mitch? Yeah, this is Mitch Malloy. <laughs> hey man. Yeah. Can everyone hear me? <laughs> Unfortunately. Nobody's listening. Yes. Hello. <laughs> everyone can hear me? Why why did you hang up on me? <laughs> Look, I was in the band. <laughs> I was in the band. Mm -hmm. I don't have proof of it, but I was in the band. <laughs> I'm getting tired of this. <laughs> Neander Paul, I will girl slap you right in the mouth. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is nonsense. Don't hang up on me ever again. I'm Mitch Beloy. Yes, we know. <laughs> Do not ever hang up on me. Do you know who I am? Nope. Nobody does. You know what? I, I don't I'm too big for this. I don't need this. <laughs> Outstanding. Who was oh, that? Was that really Mitch? I don't yes. know. That was. Could have been, yes. I think that might have really been Mitch. He had to go because somebody wanted fries with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh again, God. animal style. Again, again, Mitch Malloy released two more albums than I've ever released. Congratulations. Yeah. You win, Mitch. You win. And you're singing for Great White right now. Songs that were written by Jack Russell and Mark. And Kendall. that's not an easy gig, man. You got to be a singer to pull that stuff off. Again, I take nothing away from his vocal ability, but just being a good singer isn't enough. There are lots of good singers out there. Now, lots of good singers out there. There are keep there are people singing karaoke in a bar right now in Oklahoma or Tennessee or Vermont that mm -hmm. are absolutely crushing it vocally. Yeah. Like Honestly, literally right now, like literally like right this second, somebody yes, yeah. is singing Tuesday karaoke night. somewhere and they should have been in uh, an amazing. Yep. Somebody, there are people out there. There are people out there who can absolutely sing. Mitch is one of them, but mm -hmm. the, the, he, the record industry handed Mitch Malloy's baby to the, to the radio and to the record buying public. And they all went, no thank you yeah there's a great right. example kxm rock arnel pineda is a fantastic singer name one song that journey has written since he was in the band that's worth a shit one nobody can they did they write songs yeah they've released an album i don't even know yeah although uh neil Sean is following me on twitter Oh, that's cool. So that, that's the big news that I have. Tonight. Better that he's following wow. you on Twitter than following you in a mall. <laughs> he, he's a great guitar player. 
very and he likes Wolfgang guitars fluent and just awesome. coming up with the simple stuff that is just great guitar player. Yeah, legendary guitar player. And he had his own he had his own signature guitar for a while. It might have been his own brand. Shown. Oh yeah, Neil. Yeah, those Shown guitars. Neil, here's the thing about again, Journey has found the secret sauce. The chicks love the songs because they sound um they sound very poppy and they're sing-along and they're very sensitive lyrically and they're melodic and they're well constructed because Jonathan Kane is a phenomenal songwriter. And Neil whips on guitar listen to the solos in like faithfully and and stone in love and i mean those songs are phenomenal he's a great guitar player Mm -hmm. and that's they found the secret sauce Journey. To write lyric content like that, like love and touch and squeeze. And if you write, if you just write those words down on a piece of paper, you're going to be like, what did I just write? It's, um, and to, to want to sing that yeah. style. You are pointing out loving, the touch exact, and squeezing. You are pointing out the exact reason why Mitch Malloy is a career failure. Cause he doesn't know how to do that. He hasn't been able to take that, idea and make it a viable musical property well that's not true all dave all night i believe uh journey would have found somebody to sing for them i believe they would have found somebody to 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 sing for them but arnel pineda is is a great singer he does all the songs the way they want him to well who is that guy they had in journey for probably like 10 years they had a well, Mark Fleisch, uh, I mean, uh, uh, was it Fleischman, right? They had a they guy had named Steve as well. Ten years. And Steve Argyri. They had a guy named Steve as well. Steve Argyri, yeah. Oh. Hello. Is this Mitch? Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Christensen. Hey, hello. Hey. I used Is to work with Mitch back in the day. You worked with Mitch? Really? I did. All right, let's just let's let's and, stop right uh, here and say allegedly. Know, I approve because... of everything what you guys are saying. By the way, did you write songs with him? Or huh? uh, I don't know. It... Wait, wait. I don't know. He can't hear you guys. Oh, hang on. Okay, what what is it? Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Your uh, your your show is kind of spot on. I've known Mitch since 1987. I sent you some emails. Are you pictures. the one? Are you the one that sent me those pictures? Yeah. Somebody sent me pit, a picture of of Mitch and Edward together. Where where yeah, where Mitch, Mitch's hair? He's he has no his hair's like cut off, right? Yeah, that's me. That yep. was you. Okay. Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, then then you are the authority. Yeah, you know, tell us where we're wrong. I was you know kind of in the mix back in the day in '96. I was actually at Mitch's lake cabin when Ed called his phone number and left a voicemail and uh, I, I heard you know from the horse's mouth you know what was going on but uh, and for the record you know for whatever reason Ed did tell Mitch you're in the band 
but all of us, you know, in the circle, we all knew before that, it's like, yeah, this, you know, this, that's not going to happen, right? Because just, you know, Mrs. Voice was just a match what was going on in the past, and we all knew that it was going to be hard to replace any other singer with the other two singers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of what Mitch is saying is true. But, yeah, there's a little, you know, a little exaggeration going on here and there. But uh, in 98, Mitch called me one day and he asked me, hey, you want to go see Van Halen in Nashville? Because that's where he's living. I'm like, sure. I had no idea that I was going to, you know, have the opportunity to meet those guys. But when I flew into Nashville, it told me that, you know, got a problem. I haven't been able to get hold of Ed yet. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? I just thought we were going to watch, watch the guys. And that was it. But uh, Ed called Mitch back, said, come on over. And uh, we just got to spend the whole day with the band. And uh, I saw how much Ed really liked Mitch. And uh, it was... It was amazing for me, but uh, yeah, he had truly, really liked Mitch as a person. But like I said, you know, we all knew from the beginning it was not going to happen. And Mitch even says that back in the day, you know. Mm. But in my opinion, in my opinion, you know, I, I, I see why Mitch is doing what he's doing. He's just for, for money, trying to make a living, kind of. Yeah, that's one of the record straight mm-hmm. and uh you know that's kind of the way it is but it did have a lot of or, or Mitch did have a lot of you know meet a lot of people and uh some important people and big people that not too many people know about but um but i agree you know he shouldn't be out saying what he's saying as soon as he started doing the stuff, I I knew this was not you know probably a, a smart move, but mm-hmm. you kind of do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And you know him; you've known him. You said you've known him for years. Yeah, he's from Dickinson, North Dakota, and I played the band with uh, three people that he played a band with, Owen Dickinson, and uh, got to meet him when I was eighteen, nineteen years old, and uh, I worked with him, helped him out for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, like I said, I've, I've known him forever. Is it yeah, cool I if I show that picture, the picture you sent me? He posted it on the, in the Van Halen 74 sure. forever. So you, so you saw it, you saw yeah, that picture. I've got some other ones too. Let me see. Cause I, I haven't, yeah, you, you would, you would, uh, you, you texted me what, like a week ago or a couple weeks ago. Um, yep. And yeah, I remember you you sent me a picture. Let me see, you're seven. I uh and, and that's the thing. I don't think anybody doubts that he got the audition. I don't think anybody doubts that he jammed. Um the the point being though, James, and, and I don't know if he can hear me. Um Yeah. But can you hear can you hear Paul talking? Do you have the video on? I guess you're watching. No, I, no, I can't. Oh, okay. Um so 
I don't think anybody denies that he had the opportunity. Hang on one sec, man. Yeah, there's that picture. So that's that's what ninety eight. Sure. Yeah, it looks like it. So I don't think anybody denies that he had the opportunity. In fact, Eddie Van Halen does say we tried another guy um, after calling him a long hair, blonde haired hood ornament. And then basically says the guy we tried, it wouldn't work because music wasn't his. He wasn't a musical soulmate. He wasn't the right guy. Mm -hmm. He made it clear that Mitch Malloy was not in the band. He didn't make the band. And for Mitch to tell people that he was is an out and out lie. You know, there's a good chance that Ed said, yeah, man, you're in the band. We're going to do this. But he didn't tell Michael that. And he didn't tell Alex that. And so it didn't happen. And and Ray Daniels is on record, who was the manager of the band. Mitch mm-hmm. allegedly submitted a letter to Ray Daniels, who was the manager of the band, saying, look, based upon what's gone on on the MTV thing, I don't believe that this partnership will move forward. And I respectfully decline the position of lead vocalist in Van Halen. We can't move together, blah, 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 blah. And Ray Daniels' response was, I found that interesting that Mitch would send me that letter, considering he was never officially offered the position in the band. So when the band manager says that, when Eddie Van Halen says that, and when the other two members of the band, Michael Anthony says, I wasn't involved in anything involved with Mitch Malloy at the time, and Alex Van Halen just doesn't want to comment on it, which means it's probably one of the many disagreements that Ed and Al had that resulted in fistfights at 5150. I have to believe the source. Um, Did he get the audition? I will give him the benefit of the doubt that he got the audition. I think I think most people would agree that that probably happened. A lot of people have jammed with with Eddie Van Halen in that studio. Yeah. Um, could Eddie have been forthcoming and said, "Yeah, man, I think you're the right guy for the band." Yeah, he could have said that, but it didn't happen. He wasn't in the band, and and James, you just said it. We all knew, including Mitch, that it wasn't going to happen. So I mean, that's really where it's at. So for 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 Mitch to have been perpetuating this story and embellishing it in the way that he has is exactly what I take issue with. He's gone. (laughs) No, we're getting another call. What's your name again? Larry Christensen. Larry. Larry, Sorry, Larry. Larry. Larry Christensen. Awesome. Did you, you probably didn't hear any of that, huh? Or Paul, Paul was. No, I didn't. Was talking. Okay. Okay. What are you, can you can you relay the message? Yeah, um, just basically just basically say to let him know that you know Ray Daniels refuted it, Eddie refuted it in an interview. He was Michael saying and Alex. Everybody has refuted uh basically what Mitch has said. I guess. Well, one more time. <laughs> uh yeah, he's he's saying uh uh, a lot, a lot of people are saying that it's, it's, uh, what, what, what Mitch has said is, um, what <laughs> it was, it was denied by it's a lot of words. Basically Mitch claims he was in the band. Right. Mitch claims, Mitch... Mitch claims that he was in the band. And then that he refused the lead singer position and that he sent a letter to management and that he refused. I'm sorry. That's the funny thing because you know Mitch called me. He would call me every night when he was he was at Ed's house 
and kind of just, you know, give me the recap. And that's what he said. But we all just didn't, we didn't believe it because, you know, anything that comes out of Van Halen's mouth is usually not exactly what, what's going to happen. You know, you right. see that from the beginning, like, you know, they always lied about their age and this and that. And so, relay this to him. Ray Daniels, when he got that letter from Mitch saying he didn't want the job, said that he found it was funny that Mitch thought the job was offered to him. Paul is saying when Ray Daniels, wait, say that again. Ray Daniels. Ray Daniels. Upon receiving a letter upon from Mitch receiving Malloy, the letter from Mitch Malloy, saying that he was going to refuse the lead singer position in Van Halen. When he was saying he was going to refuse the lead singer position in Van Halen. Said he thought it was interesting considering he'd never been offered that position. Yep. He said it, he thought it was interesting because he said he was never officially offered the position. That's what Ray said. Technically, right. It was, Ray it, was, it was just Ed saying that, like, it was just Ed. In my opinion, it was just Ed trying to be nice. You know what I mean? Because he, he, he seems like, you know, he wants to be your friend. And, and, and I saw that he really was, you know, really liked Mitch. Or else he would not have invited, you know, us to come over and do what we did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I could see it. I, I saw the know how much he liked him and uh yeah i just i just think uh that that's just the way he is and because I, mean, I was there he he gave me his guitar to play he let me play the guitar like minutes before the show and then he asked me like wow. you know came over to me he's like what you know what kind of guitar do you play and i told him he's like he asked me you want a Wolfgang? And I just went, fell over. And, uh, you know, it's just, he's just that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just, it's hard to explain, but he, he, uh, he likes, you know, I think he wants to be liked and likes to be liked and just doesn't want to. And maybe he was just keeping him on the hook in case, Sharon, because I think Sharon auditioned after Mitch. I think. Long time ago now. But. Right. According to the timeline, Sharon was hired before that. Okay. Paul is saying, according to the timeline, uh, Sharon was hired before that. Okay. Sharon, yeah, Sharon I mean, was hired before the event, before the. the uh, you know, I, I, I don't know who's got all that information because I, I I remember the phone call was, you know, like the middle of August in 96. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's just it's been a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And this, but yeah, you know, I, uh, this is the letter. Go ahead. Oh, people are sending us the, the letter. There's a, there's a letter from, from, uh, Mm -hmm. September 11th, 1996. Mm -hmm. And that's... <clears throat> oh, so that, that's the letter of Mitch uh, de declining the, uh, the, the offer for the band, I guess. 
Yeah, and that's one thing that I, you know, I didn't know a lot about. You know, he didn't really explain or keep me in a loop on that because, you know, that's really none of my business. But, but like I said, you know, I was kind of, you know, in the middle of all what was going on at that time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of heard everything, but, um, but yeah, like I said, uh, you know, before I just, you know, I did hear Eddie say to Mitch at one time, you know, we could have made it work. We could have made it work. And it was, I wasn't really paying attention too much, but, uh, you know, of course you're, you know, like I said, Eddie's wants to keep relations and especially with people he likes. And, uh, Eddie also said that in the in the in the um, Matt Pinfield interview. They say things that don't sometimes they don't really mean, and it's too blurry. That's kind of the bottom line, you know. But, and uh, Eddie basically told Patty Smythe. Yeah, it, was, it was a very interesting thing that day because there's a lot of a lot of a lot of, a lot of interesting people that walked into that dressing room and uh, said hi. Uh, you know who Angie Everhart was? She was pretty much there hanging out the whole day. And uh, she was hot. She'd be a good one to interview sometime about, about Eddie because I know she's a big Ed fan. And mm-hmm. Who was she? Who was she? And, uh, yeah. Angie Everhart. Yeah. She's a red haired model slash model actress. Yeah. Used to be engaged to Sylvester mm-hmm. Stallone. Yeah. She's pretty hot. Hmm. She's a red redhead. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, I know. She was, she was okay. the nicest, nicest person I ever met. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I will post a link to the... Yeah, the she, was, she was really story. cool. She spotted me in the airport the next day. Yeah, I came over and sat down for 15, 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, she was super nice. There's the, uh, there's the, uh, the link to the article in the in the chat awesome um for people to read the rolling stone article so cool 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 by the way that's the uh, when you read the letter i wish you could could hear what else is going on here because all i can hear is you yeah if you hear, if you read, if you read the letter, the letter says nothing about, um, uh, about the inability for this thing to work because of commitments. It basically says Mitch would rather be a solo artist than be in Van Halen because his solo career was way, way more lucrative and potentially successful than being the lead singer of Van Halen. Essentially, is what he's saying in the in the article in the in the letter. What I remember, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I thought was very interesting, yeah, if you want to hear this or not. But yeah, sure. I, I'm not sure if I'm talking over people or not. Oh, no. No, no, you're good. Yeah, the one thing I thought was very interesting was when when we arrived, uh, Ed was, he was like a little kid. He was just so happy to see Mitch, you know, hugs and kisses and, you know, and all that, all the good stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, 
he's like, you know, he's like, you guys got to meet Kenny Wade Shepard because he was the opening act and ran down to his dressing room and drug him back to, to Ed's and, you know, was, you know, we were kind of hanging out and talking for a few minutes and he was so excited about, you know, just introducing him to, to us, but he had never introduced Michael or Gary to us. Just, I never saw Ed ever talk to Gary or Michael the whole, the whole day. And I was, we were with him for about 11 hours. Oh man. So it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. I, I never thought about that till years later. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But, uh, and this was 1998. You know, this was the Van Halen three tour. 98. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And neither of this, those two really time, ever said much. They didn't, they didn't. I think those two had the same dressing room, and they never said hardly anything. They were very quiet, just minding their own business, just kind of stayed out of the way. And you know, I don't know. I'm not, yeah, I don't know anything about that, but I didn't think much about that till uh, you know recently. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, so you spent 11 hours with with Van Halen? Yep. Or with, with Mitch and then with, right. with the... So were you with Eddie the entire 11 hours? We spent most of our time in Ed's and Alex's uh, dressing room. That's where those, that picture that I sent you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we were there. Which ones? What did you send me? I, ju- I just have that one. Are there, there are other ones? I, I sent you uh, one other one that was at the hotel, but that was through email. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, because I asked you. What this was? Oh, this was like a week ago, or, or this was a earlier this month. You sent me that picture, and then I, I asked you. I, I said, I said, did you? Um, I asked if you took these pictures. And then, oh, right. and that's you, I guess. There's a picture of you with Edward. I guess. Can, can I show that? Sure. All right. That's Simothetti right there. And then, uh, let's see. Keep in mind at this period of time in 1998. Ed was going through a really, really tough time um, with substances and issues. Um, you know, this this was this was not the best place for him, emotionally or physically or health wise. <clears throat> hmm. And that's unfortunate because he played like a demon on that tour. Yeah, I didn't send you all the pictures that I intended to. I kind of busy mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. but i can send you everything that i uh that i got i uh cool hindsight i wish i would have took much more because you know at, at that time they had those stripey little disposable cameras that they were selling at the uh the merch stand and yeah and um yeah yeah it's like yeah you know i had my i had a, a nice 35 millimeter camera that it, it gave me crap about because <laughs> that's kind of funny he's, he's got a, a funny sense of humor 
because uh, I took pictures with, I have a, an old Canon, or I had an old Canon A1 program in that I bought, mm-hmm. you know, in the mid-80s, but great camera. And uh, he just looked at my camera and like, wow, that thing's old. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, yep, it's old, but it works good. <laughs> and uh, one funny thing is uh, he, he comes up to me, he's like, uh, so where are you from? I said, well, I, I live really close to Fargo, North Dakota. And he's like, just kind of shakes his head and goes, good movie, and kind of walks away. <laughs> and it's just kind of kind of his sense of humor, you know. Uh-huh. It was it was pretty funny. Fargo. And, you, uh, you live yeah. near Fargo? Do you still? Johnny, yeah. I got to tap out. Yep. Okay. All right. See you, Paul. Later. See you, man. Fargo. Say that again. Oh no, I've I've been I've been I've been around there. I I had uh, relatives around there. So growing up, really? I, growing up, I'd been to, uh, I think Fargo, or somewhere, somewhere on there. I've I've been there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so Mitch grew up in Dickinson, which is on the west side of North Dakota, and I'm like right across the border in the Minnesota. And one thing that was interesting that I we figured out back in the '80s is Mitch's mother. Uh, and my and my family, we're actually related, kind of a little bit distantly. But uh-huh. his mother grew up grew up like ten miles from where I live. Ah, but, uh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's cool, man. But yeah, he uh, yeah, uh, Ed had a pretty interesting sense of humor, and uh, mm-hmm. Alex was uh, he was a storyteller. He would just sit there and crack jokes and tell stories from back in, you know, 78, 79 and, uh, super cool. Man. He, he, uh, that's awesome. Probably one of the, yeah. One of the things I remember the most is we had a couple of beers and, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, I'm a Northern boy and it's, August in in Nashville, so it's hot and humid, and that's not what I'm used to. And uh, uh-huh. so Alex goes after me. He's like, "Do you need another beer? Or do you want another beer?" I'm like, "No, that's fine." Of course, I did because I'm like dying from you know heat exhaustion. But looks like he goes, "Yeah, you do." And he he gets up out of the chair, walks down to wherever. Brings me back a Budweiser and uh, a blue solo cup and hands me. It's like, I can't believe Alex is, you know, my personal bartender for the day. <laughs> and uh, that was crazy. So I did keep that can and cup, by the way, for, you know, why wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, man. Johnny, I'll see you next yeah. week, buddy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. See you later, man. Yeah, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks, Larry. Hey, well, hey, it's Larry, right? Right, Larry. Dude, do you want to pop on with us sometime, like on a Friday? We sure. we do a Friday show yeah, where absolutely. we where we talk about like maybe this Friday, if if you uh, this Friday, if you want to actually jump on, you know, and 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 tell tell some more of these stories, that that'd be awesome. Yeah, no problem. Yep. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yep. I'll send you some more pictures. What's the best way? Your you send me your email. Yeah. 
Is that the best way? Yeah, yeah. You can send okay. send them to that email address, and then you've got this number. Uh, so yeah, you, you can get a hold of me. And I think we're Facebook friends, right? Yep. I think I saw in the right. conversation that that you would add that we had added each other on Facebook. Okay. Okay. Yep. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, hey, sorry. I got I got to end the everybody's everybody's leaving the show, so I got to. <laughs> um let, let's let's continue this on good. let's say on friday like this this friday yep this okay what time uh let's see your your central time right eight right so for you it's 10 12 right now ish right okay yeah five six seven so about seven seven o'clock your time friday sounds good okay okay i'll get a hold All of you right. but i'll get a hold of you before friday we'll set it up and and you can jump on with us and and we'll talk uh we'll we'll talk talk more okay great. okay all, all right, right. all Thanks. right all right i'll see you friday man yeah. all right bye bye right. yeah. man that was that was craziness all right all right we're going to end the show <laughs> thank you so much everybody for for watching tonight Thank you uh, to to Neander Paul. Thank you to to Dane Zimmerman, Zim's Guitars. Thank you to Larry that called in, old friend of Mitch Malloy's. He's going to join us this Friday. So Jay, if you're watching us, uh, we're going to do a show with with him this Friday. And then I think uh, Kurt Fifty One Fifty is going to be here as well. Uh oh. Oh, okay. Hang on, one more, one one more phone call. Hey, hang on, hang, hang on a second, hang on. Hello. I have a message before you end. Yes. Can everyone hear me? Yeah, yeah, they can hear you. You know what? I, I don't agree with everything that was said. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I don't. Uh huh. I just, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and show my talent. I've lived my life singing covers. <laughs> All I've got, I had to steal. Oh. I mean, oh, tell no. me that isn't talent. Get out of here. Go away. That was pretty good. Okay, I don't know who that was. I don't know who that was. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And let me say uh, thank you to our channel members. There they are, right there. Thank you so much, uh, channel members of Johnny Bean TV. Thank you for all your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to Mike Neese for the uh, the Van Halen uh, T-shirt and the guitar picks from Van Halen store. Thank you to our sponsors, Tessie Switch. Thank you to Swiss Picks. Thank you to Fu Tone. Thank you to Vinum Pickups. And you guys, uh, Mancuda will be back Tuesday, next Tuesday, next Tuesday. Mancuda will be here. He's currently filming uh, the summer's blockbuster, so look forward to that. Thank you, Keith Campbell. Uh, Robot Master Switch, you want to do some Twitch later? Let me know. You guys, follow me on Twitch, please. Please. All right. All right. We'll see you guys Friday for talking Van Halen, right? Yeah. 
I'll probably see you guys before then because I've got some reviews and stuff I'm, I'm going to do. But see you guys Friday for talking Van Halen. We'll have a great show. All right. Rock on. Smash that thumbs up. And uh, see you on Instagram. All right. Johnny Bean TV. Bye. Bye. <laughs>